T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right. Hello, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Wow. Bellavia gets to go to Iwo Jima? Are you kidding me? That's awesome. Can I be his date, please? Anyway, uh, how you doing? It's uh, Bowerly, News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, welcome. Oh, that would be, seriously, that would be absolutely awesome. Uh, David's uh, grandfather actually served in World War II, and last I checked, uh, he was still alive. So I guess if David has a guest to take, it probably would be his grandfather. I'm just saying. Although I think his grandfather served in the European theater, not the Pacific uh, Pacific theater. Anyway, uh, welcome to the program. Good to be with you on the radio on a Monday, the 26th. It's a beautiful day outside right now. But February being a rather arbitrary and capricious month, it is going to be colder this week. Um, and that is Buffalo. That's why I refuse to get too excited about the uh, eclipse coming up in April. I just have this horrible feeling that in true Buffalo 13-second wide right fashion, it's going to start out beautiful on eclipse day. Then by about noon, eh, partly cloudy, 1 o'clock mostly cloudy. And by 3 o'clock, probably a downpour of rain and heavy clouds. That's kind of what I expect. Uh, because I'm sorry, I've lived here too long to expect positive things. What can I say? Your environment does have an effect on you, or do you have an effect on the environment? Oh, that is the question. Anyway, uh, we have a lot of things uh, we're going to get into today on News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, first of all, there is uh, this, and it uh, certainly is a subject about which we have talked before, but I think it is a very interesting subject, and that is uh, tonight. The Town of Hamburg Council is going to be presenting a resolution against industrial wind turbines in Lake Erie at their town hall meeting. Uh, that's going to be at 7 o'clock. And my question to you is, should we have wind turbines in Lake Erie? We've done a lot of shows about this. Well, a lot. Maybe four shows about this. Um, and... It is, uh, as I said, I think on Friday, it's the issue that won't go away. And one thing you have to realize about these people who are pushing the wind agenda is they're full of wind. 
and they have a never-ending supply of wind. And just because you win one battle does not mean that you've won the war. They've pulled out. They've pulled back for now, and they put the plans on hold. But that's a far cry from saying we've canceled the plans. And I am against the against. That's for our Canadian listeners because you can take part in this as well because you're going to look at those eyesores as well. Um, some of these uh, wind turbines, by the way, would be about the size of the Seneca One Tower in Buffalo. Uh, I can't imagine. You know, we didn't build a new peace bridge because it was thought to be an environmental hazard to uh, the common turn. Yes, the common turn. Not the uncommon turn, but the common turn, which is uh, a bird. You see them all over the place in the river and uh, Lake Erie. Uh, Therefore, they're common. But we didn't build a new bridge to Canada because of the common turn. And I'm thinking to myself, you put 50 wind turbines in the lake from Dunkirk to Buffalo, it's going to be a chopomatic for all of the uh, waterfowl that have come into the area and all of the birds we never used to see or hear about in western New York. Come on, when you were a kid, did you hear about osprey along the Niagara River? Probably not. Did you hear about uh, bald eagles along the Niagara River uh, or Lake Erie? Probably not. These are relatively new developments. Um, As industrialization has decreased, we've seen an increase in the um, natural uh, diversity of the ecosystem in western New York. And how is that a bad thing? And these wind turbines, first of all, you don't have to live on the lake to be against wind turbines. I mean, we drive around the area enough to know that, uh, you know, you can see the lake from a number of different vantage points throughout western New York. And frankly, aesthetically speaking, the last thing I think you want to see is a bunch of big-ass industrial wind turbines in the middle of Lake Erie. It's unnatural. It's unesthetic. It is not appealing to the eye to begin with. That's number one. Number two, uh, as you know, we were a very heavily industrialized area at one point in our area's history. And a result of the industrialization of western New York was a lot of bad stuff got released into the lake. I'm old enough to remember when the Buffalo River caught fire. A river catching fire? Yes, a river caught fire. I remember hearing stories from my dad who talked about the fire on the Buffalo River. Uh, I was a very little boy, I might add. But anyway, uh, let's just go back here. We, uh, We dumped a lot of crap into the lake bed. And over time, what has happened is that crap has been covered by sediment which has, uh, well, it's it's covered it up. It has buried it beneath inches and inches of sand, which naturally shifts around at the bottom of the lake bed. So if you dunk these giant wind turbines into Lake Erie, what are you doing? Well, first of all, you're stirring up a bunch of stuff we probably don't want stirred up. You know that old expression about sleeping giants and what you should do with them? That comes to mind. The other thing is... How are they going to get the electricity from the wind turbines to the shoreline stations, which will then pump it directly to New York City? We don't even benefit from the wind turbines. New York City will benefit from the wind turbines. So you got to put cables 
you have to lay cables on the lake shore or on the I'm sorry, in the lake bed. And when you lay the cables, what do you have to do? You have to bury them underneath the sediment at the bottom of the lake. And what is that going to do? That is going to produce even more release of contaminants we would just as soon have buried. I mean, think about it. What do we do with radioactive waste? We put it in a cave somewhere in the Midwest. We or in the Southwest somewhere. We, we put it in a, in a cave somewhere that we've never heard of. Uh, why would we want to stir that stuff up? So aesthetically and environmentally, I just don't see how this makes a lick's worth of sense, not to mention the fact of, you know, we, uh, we have um, at least six months a year in western New York that I would call winter or winter-like. And can you imagine having to de-ice the blades of a wind turbine in the middle of January? Good luck with that. And how about the chemicals that are used to de-ice the wind turbines? Where are they going to end up? Oh, I'm sorry. They're going to end up in Lake Erie. And you think that these uh, wind turbines are going to produce a tremendous area for you to fish? Think again. You're not going to be allowed within several hundred yards of one of those wind turbines because you might present a national security danger. Forget about the southern border. Forget about the northern border. You, in your fishing boat, may present a national security threat. Our government loves to talk about national security threats because it gets you scared and it gets you want it gets you want it gets you to want to pump money into the military-industrial intelligence complex. The more scared you are, the more willing you are to open up the checkbook. Here, here, protect me, protect me, government, protect me. Uh, but anyway, that's another story, perhaps for a different day. So. There are just so many reasons to be against these wind turbines in Lake Erie. And the funny thing is, for the programs I've done on these wind turbines, I don't think we've had a single call from anybody in western New York saying, wow, I support this idea 100% like the idiots in the Sierra Club. Okay, idiots of the Sierra Club who support this idea, where are you? Why aren't you calling the show? How come you are favoring wind power over the true environment of western New York? What the hell do you have up your asses about the, the your love of these wind turbines in Lake Erie? I would love to hear from you because it makes no sense. I'm more of a conservationist. I'm more of an environmentalist than you are. And that is saying something, believe me. Uh, 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Not one of those jokers from the Sierra Club has called this program at all to talk with any of the people that we've had on. Jim Hanley, Sharon Trembeth, and the other people who are members of Catwile, Citizens Against Wind Turbines in Lake Erie. Uh, it's a bit of an awkward acronym, but uh, I think you get the point. Are you for or against this? The Town of Hamburg Council tonight presents the resolution against industrial wind turbines in Lake Erie at the town hall meeting tonight, 7 o'clock. And I want to know where you stand on it. And I am I could not be further against it. And I don't live on the lake, okay? I don't have a waterfront condo. Um I could afford one, but I would not. I don't want to live on the waterfront. I'm very happy with where I live right now. Thank you very much. It's a very small and humble abode, but it is in the center of the places that uh, I like to be. 
803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Let's go to uh, some calls. Oh, let's go to some calls. And uh, I just did that stupid thing with my hands again. Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with limited space here. I believe it's Dan on WBEN in Hamburg. Dan, you are on WBEN. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. How are you doing? Uh, I'm actually one of the council members that are uh, helped to draft up the resolution um, regarding the uh, wind turbines in the lake. Also, I was a former county legislator, and we did a resolution back then uh, opposing putting those into the lake. I mean, as you mentioned earlier about the digging up that sediment, and I mean, you're, I believe, my age. Um, if you remember back in the 70s, the lake was actually considered dead. Yes, it was. was. You know, there was the, and um, so what? Like just like you were saying earlier, you're going to dig all that sediment up. You're going to stir everything up. What's going to happen? Are the fish going to eat it? Are we going to eat the fish? I know you did an episode uh, yesterday, the day before, regarding uh, somebody saying they they just do catch and release. But uh, I'm one that likes to eat it a little bit. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, um, yeah. There's, there's so. I mean, when the lake this year we got lucky. The lake really didn't freeze. But when the lake freezes, the ice shifts, and, and and those things are going to be in the water. Who's you know, what what's inside those things besides the, um, the you know the grease and the oil and the, you know hydraulics and, and you oh. know those things end up falling over. And all that's going into the things. You got the uh, the uh, fiberglass um, fins, you know, that are going to wear and tear once again. They're going to you know. With and they're not biodegradable. The they end, the, the, yes. the blades, the blades of the, these wind turbines end up in freaking landfills, and they never go away. Absolutely. And then the whole thing is you got some of these idiots in, in, the, in our government that, you know, hey, let's save the atmosphere and kill our earth. <laughs> you, know, it's, it's, you know, it just it makes no sense. You know, they, you know, between the uh, – the, the uh, wood turbines uh, and, uh, you know, going electric and, you know, they want to take away our stoves and our furnaces. And, you know, thank God, you know, the, the numbers probably didn't match up for them. So they kind of did an about face on that a little bit. But still, I mean, it's, I don't know. Well, not, not to mention the fact that acoustically, the wind in our area generally comes from the west uh, and then, well, the southwest and then, um, the hum of these wind turbines is going to be a hum that is going to be heard, I suspect, on certain clear nights in the wintertime far beyond uh, your particular town, the town of Hamburg. And I'm told by people who live near the wind turbines, it's not a pleasant sound. And these things yeah. cast almost like an acoustic shadow over an area. Well, not only that, I think they're finding out, I want to say maybe the Netherlands or where they do have them in the oceans because the oceans don't freeze, that some of those acoustic sounds and vibration are killing the fish and whales. Uh, I'm not aware of that, but uh, it, it wouldn't I, surprise I, me. I mean, yeah, and, and I, mean knows? I, I, I read it online somewhere, so then again, I guess maybe it, maybe it is. Well, I mean, just uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. Have, have has anybody uh, with whom you've been in contact as a Hamburg councilman has anybody said to you, Dan, Dan, we need these wind turbines. Think of Greta. Not one person, no. Yeah, I, I have not had one person call in in support of wind turbines in Lake Erie. 
in the shows we've done with Jim Hanley, Sharon Drempeff, and others, not one person supports it. It's like the only people who think this is a good idea are the ones with their heads up their asses in Albany all the time. Well, I, I think the people that are also in favor are the ones that create and make the windmills and the parts that go with it. And, um, and maybe the politicians with their heads up their ass are the ones getting kickbacks for coming up with this stupid nonsense. Uh, well, of course, I wouldn't wish to make such charges uh, without evidence, uh, but, you know, uh, hanky-panky has been known, I'm told, to take place sometimes in politics. Um, but anyway, I, I would imagine you're expecting a big turnout in Hamburg? I Well, I'm... Either that, I don't know. Usually, we you know we get about regularly you know, fifty people or so, sometimes twenty-five. So let's hope. Well, for a town board meeting, that's not bad. Uh, Dan, yeah. thank you very much. I'm glad that you are uh, behind um, writing this resolution against the wind turbines, and I hope that the other municipalities uh, that have not done so already along the lakeshore. Uh, join you. Are other municipalities on board? Have other municipalities well, who share the Lake Erie shoreline with you uh, come on board officially as town boards? Um, there's, I think there's been one or two that's done something, but what we're going to do is we're going to send it out to the other municipalities, the city of Buffalo, I, um, and uh, let's hopefully they get on board with it, chime in, and, uh, and also draft up the resolution. I don't know where the county ledge is on this. Like I said, when I was on the county legislator back in 2000, I want to say 11, we uh, we did a resolution opposing the windmills and the uh, thing. It was bipartisan, you know. Well, there doesn't have to be anything poli uh, political about this. I mean, it's just no, I'm sorry, but it's all. just it's common sense. Uh, the Lake, Lake so. Erie is, in addition to being the home of the most shipwrecks in the entire Great Lake system, Lake Erie is vital for the future of the entire region. And without a clean, drinkable, fishable Lake Erie, we're in a world of hurt. Well, it's uh, the well, it's the Great Lakes are eighty-five percent of the fresh water in the United States and twenty percent of the world's uh, fresh water pop. You know, so. Yes, and when Arizona something that, something comes, I think that needs I, I think that's something that needs to be protected. You know, uh, absolutely, along, absolutely. So. Dan, thank you very much. I appreciate. All the right, Tom. Uh, maybe we'll see, maybe I'll hear you playing again at the Cove someday. <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Dan. I, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, once I get the feeling back in my fingertips. Uh, it is uh, 226 at News Radio 930 WBEN. It, uh, we're going to continue taking calls on this uh, after the uh, after the news. Um, wind turbines in Lake Erie, I think it's an absolutely atrocious idea. It's going to turn bald eagles into chop stew. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. my friend is blowing in the wind the answer is blowing in the wind okay i know this song i mean uh, yeah i mean everybody knows it uh it is bowerly on news radio 930 wben tonight uh, the hamburg town board is uh, gonna put out its resolution against the wind turbines in uh, lake erie which i think is an absolutely atrocious idea for all of the aforementioned reasons, 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Let's get back to the calls, uh, get your say-so on this. Here's Dan in Chictawaga. Dan, you are on. Hello. Hi, Tom. What did, what did you do, play Blowing in the Wind for Kathy Hopel? Or what? Is this huh. a request line? <laughs> no, that was a uh, Tanner Saunders special. Sometimes Tanner likes to surprise me. I think Kathy would like that song. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, what Kathy Hochul likes and does not like, uh, I'll tell you, what, what Kathy likes is power. Power. Absolute power. She's a power junkie. She gets off on it. And spending taxpayer money. Well, yeah. It's the best kind of yeah. spend. Right. Tom, I come from uh, uh, a career in the construction industry for the best part of a century. I think I've been pounding nails and bending nails and everything else. The construction industry runs off of money, okay? If there's money, there's things being done. If there's no money, nothing gets done, okay? You hire a kid to cut your grass. You pay him 20 bucks cash. You hire a carpenter to put a fireplace in for you. You pay him with a credit card, maybe get in a bigger stuff, a home equity loan, you buy a new house, you got to have a mortgage. It's all money-driven, okay? These windmills are the same thing, except you add a few more zeros at the end, okay? We're talking billions of dollars, not thousands, billions, okay? Uh, the smart money investors in wind uh, came along, you know, like 10 years ago from Europe where they had wind power, and uh, they invest their money over here in, in several projects, New York, uh, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, okay? Well, recently they pulled their money out and went back to Europe, okay? And it's only the really brilliant, like Kathy Hochul, that 
approved a couple of projects in New York State, one being Empire Wind One. I don't know the name of the other one. But uh, she's going to partner uh, and take up the slack where the uh, European Investors Canada don't want, uh, want to invest in this anymore, okay? So I, I'm glad we have this really brilliant uh, governor and geniuses in Albany that can can see far beyond the investment community and, and see what's right for us. You know, I really, I'm really happy about this, okay? I'll shut up. I thought, are you making a turn or, uh, hello? No, I'm done. I'm done. So uh, your your point, if you had to sum it up in a sentence, is, is what? That uh, even the investors are pulling away from this because it is not proven to be financially remunerative for them? Yes. They can't make any money, so they're pulling their money out. Um, well, I mean, when I think of the success that was Solar Sit, oh, never mind. Um, let's put Solar City in the third cloudiest place in the world. Okay, that made sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just, saying, or in the United States, anyway. So, uh, what, what is your message about? Uh, I mean, if you had to sum it up, I think I know the answer to this. But your message, in a nutshell, as somebody who hammered nails and uh, you know built things and built edifices, uh, what would your final point be? Well, be be careful what you invest your money in and be careful who you vote for. You know, these people, uh, you know, Kathy Hochul, uh, well, she got a business degree or uh, what? Or is she a nurse or what? I mean, I don't know. What she know about windmills? And what she's does a, she know she's about attorney, big actually. time investing? Big pardon? Yeah, she's a lawyer. Oh, is she? Okay, I did not. Well, that, that's all the more reasons she shouldn't be in a very technical and financially challenging thing like windmills. Uh, well, I mean, she's she's one of the persons uh, behind the project. I mean, she could she could put the kibosh on it immediately, but it's these people at Nyserta who apparently have the IQ of the common snail who are pushing this forward. And the outside money pulled out, so it must not be a good deal. Uh, well, again, uh, very interesting. Of course, uh, Erie County already dumps thousands of gallons of untreated sewage into the lake every year, so uh, maybe they maybe they want to kill the lake for reasons that are beyond me. I have no idea. Uh, thank you very much, Dan. I appreciate the call. Uh, wind turbines in Lake Erie. Good idea, bad idea. Tonight, it's going to be the uh, discussion in the town of Hamburg, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. And let us uh, return to the calls with Mike in uh, Silver Creek right along uh, the lake. Uh, Mike, let me just uh, get my fingers in proper position for you, which sounded rather awkward. Uh, Mike, you're on WBEN. Hello. Yeah, hi, Tom. Uh, so I, I do work with the Cotyle people. Uh, my background is is I need, is I need you off the speakerphone. I need you off the speakerphone. I'm on the speaker. Can you hear me? Well, you're on the speakerphone, oh. right? I would like you not on the speakerphone. Can you hear me now? Much better. Thank you. Okay. Hi. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm in Silver Creek. I live right on the lake. Um, has nothing to do with my opposition to the windmills. Um, but anyway, I work with the Cotyle people, and there's you know there's a lot of discussion about the environmental aspect fishing, and that's all that's all quite legitimate but i think if you look at the economic disaster that this is turns out to be 
Uh, we, we Everybody needs to know about that. Whether you care about the lake or you don't, you're going to care about your electric bill. And let me go through just a couple things here. Uh, first of all, it's all built on the climate narrative that says we're entering climate catastrophe. Not true. Earth's been warming for the last 350 years, a little bit more with mankind. It's not a catastrophe. But they use that as a fear porn, an excuse to push this. And what are they pushing? Big subsidies. There's billions in subsidies. Just a little background. We spent $2.5 trillion over the last 45 years subsidizing wind power. For that, we get 3% of our energy for wind power. But some people are making a ton of money on it. Okay. Yeah, it's almost now, it's almost like New York State subsidizing movies and television. It's one of the worst investments the state can make. Yeah, and and if the subsidy is the root of all political evil, because if you need a subsidy, that means people don't want it. A subsidy is how politicians force you to pay for what you don't want. So let me let me continue. So they come up with this thing called net zero emissions in order to meet the climate catastrophe uh, needs. Okay, and net, net zero basically means that you produce less CO2 technically than is naturally absorbed back into the earth by natural processes. But to meet that net zero requirement is going to be absolutely, absolutely impossible given the technologies and the cost of materials and what you need to go through um, with these windmills and solar panels. Here's a quick example. I did the calculation up myself. They shut down the Indian Point nuclear plant a few years back, a 3.2 gigawatt facility, to complete to to replace that power out here with the windmills they were talking about using um, in the NYSERDA report would require, if you got perfect 100% use out of them, about about 3,000 windmills just to replace that one nuclear plant, and that doesn't include all the uh, transmission costs and connection costs to get that power down to where it was in the uh, city. Now, if you include the fact that you have these periods of, and I know you speak German, Dunkelflaute, which means there's no wind, there's no sun, so that happens to, to affect both wind and solar, you're, you're going to need uh, to at least double, at least double, probably triple that amount. So now if you imagine 6,000 wind turbines in Lake Erie, think about it, just in the New York side, to replace that one plant, that they nuclear plant that they killed, all right? And that also then you will need massive battery storage there's not enough lithium in the in the world for us to make enough batteries to store that power so we have that backup so now you're you're in this impossible technically technically and econo economically impossible zone with this net zero so my next comment then there's legislation called the the uh um climate leadership and community protection act uh it goes back to 2019 signed by cuomo um and this is the legislation that forces forces New York State to go through and do all this nonsense. And they'll never be able to meet anywhere near the goals. But the excuse that Hochul will use is say, well, we must meet our climate goals. Well, the goals are in that legislation. If you would repeal the CLCPA, we would be out of this nightmare. And the nightmare is going to be this. By the time you get done, just look at what happened to Germany, England, where they were world leaders in this stuff. Their electric bills went up three to four times, in some cases higher than that in England. And that has nothing to do with the Russian invasion. This, this was prior to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and all the excuses the left will make about this. It's very expensive. Like, I'll give you an example. NYSERDA report said that the strike price, which is the price that we are required by law to pay for power, it comes off of Lake Erie if it was made out there, was $138 per megawatt hour. We can generate it for $40 a megawatt hour using natural gas. 
So they want to almost make our power almost four times as expensive. And that doesn't even include the cost that uh, we pay in subsidies through the federal government. And now we got $34 trillion in debt, right, because of that. And it doesn't include the connection cost to get out to that power and bring it in. So what we're looking at is a total economic disaster with this net zero and the CLCPA. The next thing that's coming along is what's called cap and trade. And this is where the state keeps capping the amount of carbon emissions you can have. And then, and they make it sound like something good and trade. Well, that means that now they're going to have to sell bonds to create more of this net zero infrastructure, which isn't going to work, to create more wind and solar so we can keep knocking these emissions things down. In the meantime, our power costs are going to go through the roof. I don't know if you heard, you know, they want to put a big uh, uh, ship processing plant in New York State. That's really electrically uh, intensive. Where are they getting the power for that? When wind, when wind and solar have, uh, have the power, the periods of Dunkelflauter, and you're not getting power, now you're on backup power. Now, where are we going to get the power to run that huge plant? It doesn't seem like it's technically feasible to me. And then the final thing I'll say is the one thing they're not even considering, I know they have to because the rest of the world is, is uh, modular nuclear. You can take modular nuclear and put it where you have existing coal plants. You don't need any more hookups, uh, connections. You can just put the modular nuclear at the coal plants and start producing, and you still have a distributed system like we have now uh, very efficiently. Now, those plants, those modular plants are being sold around the world to other places. The U.S. actually is selling them to, I think it's Romania and Ukraine. But the Chinese and the Russians now have leaped in front of us in that technology, and they're licensing them all over the world. But, but we're told we can't use nuclear because, well, it's, it's not green. Yet Sweden, England, and Italy just last summer all passed resolutions to go back to nuclear and put a kibosh on the wind and solar. I'm a little confused, though, about your, uh, the, uh, the ship thing that you mentioned earlier. Um, I, I know that uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, big ships are scrapped and the metal <laughs> is melted down, but I'm confused. Oh, I don't think I mentioned uh, ships in my tirade there. <laughs> where, where does that go? Uh, you, you talked about some processing plant. I thought you were talking about vessels, ocean-going or lake-going oh, vessels. Oh, I'm sorry. I said chip, chip, meaning electronic chip. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, yeah, yeah you're probably sure. familiar. So they wanted to put these up, yes, I don't yes. know, Syracuse, Oswego. But the point is it takes massive amounts of reliable power. Wind and solar aren't reliable because they have these periods of Dunkel Flauta. And... Uh, you have to have believe that would be Dunkelflauter, but who am I? yeah, 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 that, that's a Dunkelflauter, yeah. So, um, it just means dark doldrums, I guess. And, um, anyway, without reliable power, our industry's shot. Now, we're already at a point in New York State where industry doesn't want to come here anyway, and electrical power in a modern manufacturing world is, is very important. And if you make drive the price up of that, who's going to stay here for manufacturing, right? So that my hope, my whole point is that um, is that these are going to be an economic disaster, and they're not just for New York State, but for for elsewhere, um, and that's why the Europe's starting to hedge on it. You know, the Germans just uh, said, "Whoa, enough of that." They opened up 27 new commissioned 27 new uh, dirty coal power plants, right? And this is supposed to be the world leader in 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 green, and they hit a wall over there. They they destroyed their economy. So before we do destroy our economy here, people need to wake up to it. So it's not, not just about a bunch of guys that like to go fishing out in Lake Erie. 
Um, it's not just about our water quality. It's about our entire economy. So I'll, I'll leave it at that and hang right, on if you've got any questions. Mike, uh, thank you very much. I, uh, I appreciate the call. Good stuff. Um, but, I mean, as far as water quality, to me, that, that is first and foremost because uh, you need clean, fresh water in order to have civilization. Um, that's the building block of all civilizations. Here's David. That's why the Romans built those aqueducts. Uh, David in Blaisdell, you're on WBEN. Hello. Hi. We appreciate you once again covering this this uh, subject. It's extremely controversial, but um, I think we've we've got a general consensus in Western New York um, now that as many as 75 percent of of individuals are in support of our cause, which is against wind turbines in Lake Erie. Um, we've seen some major progress in the last three years, and we appreciate, you know, any effort on your part. Well, I mean, I'm just I'm just doing a radio show. Um, I mean, I, I think that the radio show has had some effect on the short-term policy, but let's face it, at some point uh, I will be gone, somebody else will be here, and I'm not sure if they're going to uh, have quite the interest in the lake that I do. Well, we appreciate it. Just a, uh, by way of update, um, as you may have heard or not, um, NYSERDA um, did a feasibility study and, and did determine that it wasn't feasible to place wind turbines in Lake Erie, um, you know, at this point, And this was uh, as of uh, December t- 2022. Yes. At, at this, at this uh, point would be the operative words, right. because one thing exactly. I've learned about a certain political agenda is they never stop until the job is done. If they have to take three steps backward, <clears throat> eventually they're going to take four steps forward. They always do. Exactly. Right, and, and you know, to that end, uh, we recently uh, found out in, in the fall um, that Senator Pete Harcum, um, down in, um, in the Albany area, um, was specifically responsible for a bill, um, S7035, um, which is in right now in the Environmental Committee, um, waiting to, to get out of committee. Our concern is... Uh, when people say it's not over, is, is is that this is a pending bill that could come out of committee immediately um, and move on with a, a possible matching bill in the assembly that could basically allow them to put a, a smaller number of wind turbines um, just as a demonstration project uh, from Dunkirk to Barcelona in Lake Erie. So um, when people say, you know, they think it's over, it's it's never over. And as you say, you know, we're going to continue to fight that by reaching out to him uh, via phone calls and letters to make sure that he understands this. Uh, very well. Thank you very much. I appreciate the phone call, David. We are coming up on 257 at News Radio 930 WBEN. News is coming up in uh, three minutes. Uh, News Radio 930 WBEN. It is Bowerly back after that. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. 
and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Tonight, uh, town of Hamburg, uh, they're introducing a resolution against the wind turbines uh, in Lake Erie. And, uh, you know, again, uh, just because they said at this point it's not practical um, doesn't mean that in the future they're not going to come back and say, you know what, we've decided it's practical now. Uh, I want your thoughts on wind turbines, Lake Erie. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Some of these uh, monstrosities would be as tall as Seneca One Tower, the tallest building in Buffalo. And uh, from an aesthetics point of view, I think it would be hideous. Uh, from a water quality point of view, I think it would be awful. And from the uh, view of the fact that, uh, let's see, Lake Erie weather gets rather nasty during the wintertime months, and I don't know how these things are going to be de-iced. And uh, what if one of them topples over filled with uh, a lot of bad stuff we don't want in the water? We're going to see baby ducklings uh, washed in dish detergent as a result. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Let's get to the calls uh, some more. And uh, West Seneca, it is uh, Tammy. Tammy, you are on WBEN. Hello. Hi, Tom. Um, I just wanted to call to um, give my appreciation to different legislators who have taken up this fight. Um, one is Senator George Borrello. He has a bill and he has um, a same as in the assembly with uh, Assemblyman Mangtolo and also Assemblyman David DiPietro. They all, in essence, say the same thing, and they're not doing it from a standpoint of just taking up the cause for, I guess, political um, political opportunity. They're doing this from a scientific standpoint. And one of the main things in their bills that they, they talk about is the fact that there are so many people who depend on the Great Lakes for drinking water. And if you put these wind turbines in these lakes, it could stir up sediment that had been contaminated at the bottom of the lakes. And that's going to affect our drinking water. It's going to affect the delicate ecosystems of you know, uh, wildlife and plant life in the lakes. And there has been no studies done to see what these effects are going to be because most wind turbines are actually in saltwater oceans where it doesn't affect our drinking water. Um, and if you look at these bills by Assemblyman DiPietro, Mancolo, and, and Senator Borrello, you can see that they've actually done the research and they have been taking a stand for these people. In fact, at every tile meeting, you see Assemblyman DiPietro and Senator Borrello either there themselves or sending a representative. And I'm just here to say thank you to these men for taking a stand for our environment. A lot of people think Republicans are anti-environment just because of the climate change issue. But this is a real, a real thing that's happening here and a real threat to our environment, our water, our, our wildlife, our, our lakes, um, ecosystems and i just want to say thank you to those men for taking a stand and that's all well, I for say. all 
Okay, thank you very much. Uh, for all those reasons you mentioned, uh, yeah, I have to say uh, amen. And again, remember, we didn't build a new bridge from Buffalo to Canada, Canada to Buffalo. Why? Because we were concerned about the effects of wildlife migration, particularly the common turn. I mean, the common turn. And these 50 or whatever they want giant wind turbines in Lake Erie are going to be choppomatics for um, life uh, for feathered life and uh, osprey and eagles and, dare I say, the common turn. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. One might say it would be a turn for the worse. Uh, here is uh, Patty in Derby on WBEN. Patty, uh, your thoughts on uh, the wind turbines in Lake Erie? Hi, Tom. Um my thoughts on the wind turbines are we've got to keep them out of the lake. Um, they will destroy our lake. They would dredge up heavy metal toxins. The birds uh, get sucked into them. It's environmental. It um, has ne- negative impacts for our economy, for our boating, for our fishing. They're, it's just a bad idea. But, uh, but my question and- is, my, my question is, do you think this bad idea is ever going to fully die, or are they just waiting you out? Wait until you guys die out, wait till I die out, and then they're going to come back and they're going to plunk them in the middle of the lake. Well, they may be waiting on us. Uh, Cotyle, the Citizens Against Wind Turbines in Lake Erie, have been working fourteen over 14 years on this, and there's been two uh, NYSERDA reports over the, the last 14 years. And um, in December of 22, they came out and said wind turbines were not feasible at this time in Lake Erie or Ontario. Well, we know what New York State is all about. They will go behind your back and they will continue to figure out a different way to put those wind turbines in. So um, New York State is pushing hard, but the members of the community in Cotyle against the wind turbines will not die it will we will we'll fight to the end we'll fight to the end citizens against wind turbines in lake erie that's caught tile to which you refers yes yes we will continue to fight on this issue until it is there is a permanent law against these wind turbines they just cannot go in our lake Um, people are starting to understand that wind turbines are not just those little pretty windmills that are in um, Holland. These are these are environmentally horrible, horrible things to put in our lake. Let alone up on the the hills of the farmlands. Um, they're just not environmental friendly at all. There's such negative effects, health effects. Um, it the fish, the turbines when they circle around. There's the ones in Lackawanna. And off of their blades, shear off plastics. And this plastic is called PFAS. And it falls into the lake water. Now, if these turbines go right in the water, two and a half miles out, these PFAS are going to fall into our lake and cannot be filtered out by the water system. In turn, the fish eat this, drink this water. It, it gets into our fish and we're eating the fish. So before New York State goes and spends a whole lot of money 
And when I say a whole lot of money, it's our tax-earned dollars, subsidies. And this is how these wind turbine companies are getting the funding to put wind turbines up. We want to be proactive right now, stop it, stop our money going for this, and stop those turbines. Uh, yes, well, well said, well said. And you've been involved in the fight uh, the entire 14 years? I have not. I have been involved, oh, maybe about four years, um, about a year before COVID. And then when COVID shut down and we weren't meeting, New York State was working on their projects, and they were kind of going behind our back and came at us with a full force. So NYSERDA did their report. Um, and it was released in December of 22. They came to the same conclusion um, that a lot of our data was put into their report, and they came to that conclusion it was not feasible at this time. But we knew we know New York State will not stop. No, no, New York State it it, it doesn't stop, and a certain agenda does not stop. Uh, it will continue to push That's and correct. push and push and push and push until they get their way. That's right. And tonight, out at the Hamburg Town Hall, the councilmen are presenting a resolution against the wind turbines in Lake Erie. Right. That's why I'm doing this show. Did you not? Did you not hear the beginning of the program? Yes, I'm just repeating it. I'm just so excited that um, that. The councilmen are taking this stand. I mean, I, I've never repeated myself in my life. I just, you know. <clears throat> um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Patty in Derby. I appreciate the phone call, and uh, I'm sure you'll be at the meeting tonight with a full report. Yes, we will. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for uh, all you do for us in Cautile. Have a good well, day. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I mean, I happen to uh, believe in the cause for all of the mention, uh, all of the reasons mentioned during the first part of the program. Here is uh, Sharon in Angola. You are on WBEN. Sharon, hello. Hi, Tom. Thanks again for helping us. You have been a hero through this whole journey. Um, I have been with Cotile since for 14 years since we fought this the first time around. There's just a couple things I'd like to add on. Uh, first of all, when you were talking about the birds being chopped up, this year um, I do the, the International Coastal Cleanup. We picked up 26 bird parts at the near the, the base of the turbines in, in uh, Woodlawn, which was and it was just in a two-hour uh, study. Um, another thing is is the military ships. You are so involved in the military. The War of 1812 was right off the Hamburg Beach, and all the other you know smaller skirmishes. All this history, all these ships, all these poor souls will be buried underneath these turbines. And um, I don't know if the Senecas are aware, but this is going to cross the Cataraugus Creek, which is going to affect their land also. And the other thing I want you to know is there are, in the east end of, of Lake Erie, there's salt mines under the, the lake that if they dig deep enough, we might end up with the Great Salt Lake, Great Lakes. <laughs> And I just wanted to add that everybody's doing such a great job uh, filling you in on our on what we've been doing. And I, I just wanted you to know how much we appreciate it. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, Lake Erie has more shipwrecks in it than any of the other yes. uh, Great Lakes. That much I know. Now, the yes. location of the lakes and where the wind turbines are proposed to go, I don't know if there is any interfacing there. 
Um, and there are a lot of shipwrecks, obviously, in Lake Erie that have yet to be found. And as we've mentioned before in the program, the holy grail of Great Lakes shipwrecks is a railroad car ferry called the Marquette and Bessemer Number no. 2. Uh, it's uh, Nobody knows where it is. Everybody wants to know where it is. But chances of it being from Buffalo to Angola are uh, per Buffalo to Dunkirk are very slim. But the Dakota is out there. That's another well-known ship, too. And it's just a shame that these, these will be buried forever. And I think they need to be aware of it. Maritime history should be all over this. Uh, the Dakota, refresh my memory. Uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in my car, and I don't have the information right now. But we've been searching for the Dakota for, I, I think it was part, part of the War of 1812. But I will absolutely send you the information when I find it. I just caught this. The TV, sh the the radio show, and I I can't believe I didn't know about it. Yeah, you know what? That actually, that's one of which I had not heard uh, going down in Lake Erie. Uh, there was yeah. the Colgate, which was a whaleback freighter, which left Buffalo and then ran into a storm. And the interesting thing about the Colgate is, well, first of all, the whaleback freighters didn't fare very well. There's only one still in existence. It's a museum ship called the Meteor, um, but the uh, uh, the Colgate, interestingly enough, the only guy to survive the Colgate was uh, the captain. Right. And it's spelled just like I, the toothpaste. And uh, it is... Tommy, uh, yeah, go ahead. In, in Hamburg on the lake in Monaco, right where these turbines are going to be placed, is the Seaway Trail Building. And I'm not sure if it's in there anymore, but they did have a display of... Uh, well, they had a map of the shipwrecks that went down. And... I'm pretty sure there was 3,000 of them, and then they had information on the Dakota in there. Mm. Well, I mean, uh, look, Lake Erie and the Niagara River were absolutely, and frankly, the Niagara Frontier were hotbeds of the War of 1812. We were one of the ground zeros of the War of 1812. Fort Niagara, um, the Black Rock, Williamsville, uh, where thousands of American troops encamped during the winter of 1814. Uh, the Niagara frontier played a pivotal role in the War of 1812. Now, the extent to which the uh, turbines will interfere with that history, I, I don't know. And, you know, the thing is, most people who live in western New York, they, they might have heard of the War of 1812, but they're very unaware of what an important role this area played in the War of 1812. I mean, they found cannonballs uh, in, yes. the, in the uh, Black Rock Channel. Yes. Well, I, I'm, again, I appreciate all your help. Uh, we hope this resolution will go through. We would like to go from town to town. Next town will be the town of Evans, and then going up and down the, the lake and, and getting one at a time. That's, that's all we can do. But, like um, dominoes. It's, it's like dominoes. You've got to get all yes. of these towns on board. You've got to all of these towns and all, their, all, all of the politicians who represent these towns. You have to get them on board against this. It can't just be one community fighting New York State. It's got to be the entire lakeshore and the inland communities fighting New York State against these wind turbines. I mean, do you want to look out on the lake and see these ugly monstrosities as tall as Seneca One Tower? Uh, in the middle of the lake, because I sure don't. And and I, if I lived in Canada, I wouldn't want to see that either. <laughs> no, nobody does. Nobody no, does. And, and in some of the veins, you know, if, if they were serious, you know, I, you get sick of hearing about them going out in, in outer space and self-driving cars. If you're serious about, you know, the power and electricity, why don't you come up with a better idea? We've been 
fighting this for 14 years, and there's never been a better idea. Just longer, wane, longer veins and higher towers. That's all the changes that they've made. Well, one of the things that you guys might consider doing um, in Michigan, as you wind your way up the St. Mary's River, there is a super hyper abundance of wildlife, uh, eagles, osprey, and there also is a major, we're talking mega wind farm um, in that area. And I would love to know how many bird parts they find at the bottom of that wind farm. Uh, I wish I could give you the name. I saw it from a passing vessel um, when we were doing a coal run from Duluth, uh, from uh, Detroit to Duluth to pick up a load of coal, and then Duluth back to uh, Detroit. But um, I just I remember seeing these giant um, windmills, just dozens of giant, uh, well, wind turbines. Windmills is not really a good description. And right. it was, uh, it was. Uh, I mean, I would love to see people go up there uh, and and pick up bird parts because that would be a great. That would be a great um, a, a, a empirical data to release to people regarding the danger to uh, birds and waterfowl posed by these uh, giant chopomatics for birds. That's a great idea. I wish we could, yeah. but they don't let you close enough to pick up to see what's really underneath, so it's kind of hard. <laughs> well, uh Maybe you, maybe you could trespass and you know run the risk of being expelled for Canada the rest of your life. I mean, not the end of the world. Um, thanks, thanks very much. I appreciate the uh, oh, I appreciate again. the call. Yeah, uh, I wish when, I wouldn't have been caught off guard. I would have had more information for you. But thank you for the, helping us. Oh well, no, it's uh, thank you, Sharon. I mean, I can't expect everybody to know everything about everything. I mean, uh, I, I like my knowledge of Great Lakes shipwrecks, and I had not heard of the Dakota. So a lot of shipwrecks of which I've never heard. Uh, it is, uh, and what was this Edmund Fitzgerald thing? Uh, it is uh, obviously very familiar with the Fitzgerald. We play Gordon Lightfoot song every anniversary of the sinking, which was, what, November 10th, 75? All right, it is oh, against the wind. Yes, good choice. It is Bowerly News Radio 930 WBEN. Tonight, uh, Town of Hamburg has this uh, resolution, and uh, they're basically going to go on record against the uh, wind turbine monstrosities in Lake Erie, which uh, for the time being uh, have been listed as uh, impractical. But uh, one of the things that you'll discover about New York State, if you're a new resident of New York State, is uh, what the state wants. It's willing to wait and wait and wait and then push it again and wait and wait and push it again until they finally get their way. Kind of like school budgets, actually. Ah. Uh, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN, the uh, phone number. Um, the wind turbine issue, and there's just, to me anyway, so many reasons to oppose it. And, you know, it's a, it's an interesting um, observation, I think, that in all the shows we've done on wind turbines in Lake Erie, I, I haven't had one phone caller who has ever said, yes, I'm in favor. I think this is a great idea. And it's interesting, too, that the Sierra Club endorses wind turbines in Lake Erie which I have no idea what they're thinking, but I can honestly tell you, I believe I'm more environmentally conscious than the Sierra Club. 
And that is an unusual thing to say. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Here is uh, Rich on a cell phone. Rich, you are on. Hello. Hello. How you been? Yeah, isn't it fun? Uh, it's right not really now, fun, but... Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, I, I, sharing your last caller, she and I have been in this fight for 14 years back when NIPA first proposed uh, this harebrained idea. And back then, the feasibility study that was done for, in 2010, uh, you know, came back pretty much identical to the redo that they did, you know, 12 years later. Um, it, it's right now we have a, a really good teachable moment going on out in the oceans. And beyond the, the fact that we need to go and, and need to interrupt this call. We need to go to the Buffalo Police News Conference on the Saturday fatal shooting on Reed Street family a little while ago we had an opportunity to show them the body camera video um, answer as many questions as we could and uh, you know took some time with the family and um, again expressed our condolences uh, we continue to express our condolences it's a terrible loss for the family uh, family and friends so um, our hearts do go out to uh, to the family um, another recap of what occurred and a few extra details that we can share so on Saturday morning at about 10 o'clock in the morning 911 call uh, came into dispatch to Charlie District officers about a man with a gun. A description was given of an individual. Uh, when officers arrived and they arrived on scene within uh, a couple of minutes of the call, uh, they arrived on scene on, on Reed Street and encountered uh, a man fitting that exact description. Camouflage, black male, had a, a shotgun in hand. Um, officers, the first two cars stopped about 50 feet away from where this individual was took cover behind their car doors and were giving numerous commands, uh, telling him to drop the gun, ordering him to drop the gun. Uh, third car pulled up on scene behind one of the other uh, responding car, police cars. Uh, again, they continued to give commands for about 25 to 30 seconds. At that point, uh, the individual had the gun aimed at our police officers and fired one shot from a 12-gauge shotgun fired in the direction of our officers. Um, at that point, our officers still did not return fire. Uh, the individual, they continued to give him commands to drop the gun. The individual at that point uh, was doing something with the gun. You can see on the video where he raised it, maybe at about a 45 degree angle, then lowered it back in the direction of officers again while officers were continuing to give him commands to drop the gun. Once the gun was leveled back at officers, at that point, officers discharged their firearms. There are two Buffalo police officers, uniformed police officers, that discharged their weapons. A total of 20 rounds were fired between the two officers, 14 by one officer, six rounds by the other officer. Uh, the individual was uh, struck two times, one time in the chest, one time in the arm. Uh, it appears as though one of the rounds struck the stock of the shotgun. We believe that may have been the round that then entered his uh, upper bicep area. Um, officers immediately began rendering aid. You can see on the body camera video, as you have, um, that officers were attempting to render aid. Uh, they called for med bags. Our patrol vehicles have medical bags in the cars. Uh, they were doing CPR. Multiple officers were uh, shifting in and out, attempting CPR. They had immediately, after the shots were fired, another officer had called for AMR, an ambulance, uh, the fire department. The fire department was there within several minutes, took over attempts at life-saving measures. Ultimately, they were unsuccessful, and uh, they, he was uh, declared dead on scene. Um, Mr. Edward Holmes, 58, of Buffalo, was pronounced dead on scene. Uh, 
As far as the 911 call, we have now affirmatively concluded that Mr. Holmes was, in fact, the 911 caller. That is also part of the video release. Uh, you have that. It's in the uh, beginning of the video release. Uh, Mr. Holmes called 911 from his own cell phone, and he was calling as though he were uh, a witness to somebody else. The call was that there is a man in the street with a gun, with a shotgun. Uh, the 911 call taker asked for a description. He provided a description that was of himself. At no point did he ever say that that was him. At no point did he ever make any claim that he uh, was having a mental health crisis, uh, never asked for help. He uh, simply called as though he were a witness to somebody else in the street that uh, had that gun. Um, again, we have uh, affirmatively uh, concluded that from the 911 call from uh, the, the investigation that the homicide squad uh, looked through and, and looked through his phone. Um, as I said, you have the video. The video's been out. It's been released. This is our continued effort of transparency. We know there's been um, a lot of uh, a narrative uh, about what happened. Um, as I said, he was shot two times, and we wanted that video to get out there. Again, that's why I came out Saturday afternoon to give as much as I could at that time. I'm here again today to give you as much as I have, uh, which uh, I think answers a few more questions. Um, we have, again, as I said, two officers that fired their weapon. Uh, those officers are both of the Charlie District, Ferry Fillmore District, identified as Andrew Lewis, who has 18 months on the department, and Joshua Slupinski, who has five years on the department. Um, again, these uh, officers both work the day shift at uh, Charlie District. And with that, I will take questions. It absolutely was justified. They were met with an uh, armed individual, was armed with a 12-gauge shotgun, uh, fired directly at them, and yet these officers still were attempting to de-escalate, still telling them to drop the weapon, waited another approximately eight seconds until the gun was leveled at them a second time um, before they opened fire. So uh, you know, they were absolutely justified in the use of deadly physical force. It's you know, as I said on Saturday, it's a terrible situation. It's terrible for the family, but this is also terrible for the officers that are put into a position that they had to discharge their firearms, and, and, and you know, now they're dealing with the fact that uh, they had a fatal shooting. So it's something that they're going to have to deal with. Was it 20 rounds? Is 20 rounds a justifiable response? Uh, we are taught to shoot to end the threat. So it's, I know there's some talk out there, you know, you shoot somebody in the leg, shoot somebody in the arm. It, it, you're taught to shoot center mass and shoot to end the threat. Um, when you've got someone that's armed with a deadly weapon, is armed with a gun, you're going to shoot until that threat is over. Um, you know, you have to be very careful when you're shooting to, you know, to do your best to aim for center mass, not try to, you know, hit an arm or a leg. And, and these are also very uh, tense, rapidly escalating situations. There was no other 911 call. Yeah, so when, uh, when you look at the video and you're able to break it down a little further and we can zoom in on some of that, you can see that the gun was leveled right at the officers. We also have, after talking to uh, the officers that were there, um, when, the, when the weapon went up in the air and you can see that uh, when the, the part of the video that we zoomed in on and that's a part of the video release, you can see the gun come up at about a 45 degree angle and then came back down again. Um, we now know, we knew after we collected the weapon that it jammed. So when he fired the first round, it's a semi-automatic uh, shotgun. 
uh, when that first round was uh, in the process of being ejected, it got stuck in the receiver, and we believe that when he raised the gun, he was attempting to clear that, leveled the gun again, point at the officers, whether he knew he cleared it or not, but there were two more live rounds that uh, were still inside the gun that were collected. Thank you. And lastly, you said you showed the video to the family. Did that help ease any of their tensions or any of their concerns or, or lessen their anger or any? Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into, you know, the emotions. Uh, obviously, I'll, I will say that it was very emotional for the family, and, and um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine them seeing the video and, and seeing what happened. Um, but, you know, it's important for me, uh, this administration, that we are as transparent as possible and, and provide whatever answers we can to the family. So, you know, of course they're going through a very difficult time and, and we feel for them. So, I think we've come to the conclusion that this was most likely a suicide by cop situation. And, and you know, we see that far too often across the country. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's terrible that he was going through whatever he was going through. We're not going to know what was in his mind, what was in his heart. Uh, but, you know, the only thing we can conclude is that when he calls 911 and, and puts out a call of a man with a gun that is not himself and, and says that there was somebody threatening, he was threatening somebody, um, you know, firing at officers, the only thing we can conclude is that it most likely is going to end up being a suicide by cop type situation. Did you tell the family that? I did. What was their response? You know, again, I'll, I'll uh, uh, it's a lot to process for the family, so I just, you know, some of the conversations that I had with the family, I, you know, prefer to keep between myself and the family. Nothing that we've uncovered at this time. You know, again, if there's anybody out there that has any information of what might have occurred earlier in the day, um, you know, earlier that morning, you know, before. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it, what, what it culminated to was the fact that he did place a call, brought police to that situation, was armed with a, uh, a shotgun and did fire at officers. Uh, these officers were left with absolutely no choice. And I think you also have to take into consideration this is a residential street. Um, there's homes on the street. Um, when one of the officers, as shown on body camera video, was walking back uh, to the police cars, he actually said to a woman on the street, ma'am, are you okay? There, there, you know, somebody else was out there. Whether they're out there at the time of the shooting or not, I don't know, but they certainly came out at some point. So, you know, this is a residential street and shots uh, were fired at, a uh, shot was fired at officers, so. And when, when he called, did you say that he called and basically reported himself? Did you say that he was the man with the shotgun? If he, if he would have said that he was having a mental health crisis or that he was in fact the person with the shotgun, would, you have, would the officers have approached it differently? Uh, I think the way the officers approached that call, responded to that call, I, I don't see how anything would have changed. You've got an armed individual with a shotgun in the middle of the street. Um, our behavioral health team officers were working. Uh, it's part of the, uh, the funding and some uh, grant funding that we have that we can uh, provide extra hours on nights and weekends. They were working, but this came out as a gun call. This is not a call that they would have been dispatched to. Had it been dispatched uh, with him calling in some kind of a mental health crisis, um, we could have started them on the way, but uh, you know the way that this unfolded, this was a gun call, and this is how numerous gun calls come in and the response of those gun calls, and I don't see any change whatsoever in how the officers approached that call, how they conducted themselves, how they handled themselves. Um, I think they did the absolute best that they could and with their training that they have. I'm not going to get into any of the, the prior calls. And then second, um, how are those officers doing? Are all the ambulance, all the 
so this kind of goes into part, uh, um, you know, we created in the department a uh, mental health and wellness officer. We have a full-time officer that all his job is, is to look out for the welfare of our officers. So uh, we also have an EAP lieutenant in the department. Uh, both of them work hand in hand. We have uh, uh, clergy within the police department and we bring all those resources out in an incident like this. Uh, you know, there's other situations, of course, that would, you know, meet the level of when somebody um, needs to be looked after. So um, I was in contact uh, with the officers um, shortly within a few hours after uh, the shooting occurred, just to let them know that, uh, you know, that we're there for them, the department's there for them, and I'm there for them. Um, you know, I, I think they're doing okay, but we're gonna make sure that, uh, that they know that we're there for them and that we have that contact with them. It's, it's a traumatic situation for police officers to be involved in, and we certainly have to be mindful of uh, PTSD um, situations. So our full-time officer and, uh, and our lieutenant are gonna be continuing to uh, offer up whatever services, and we certainly encourage those officers and anyone else in the department, don't hesitate to make phone calls. They're anonymous. Um, you can contact uh, you know, licensed individuals that we can put you in contact with, and it's all anonymous and confidentiality. So there was some movement uh, that the officers reported, and you can hear them say on the body camera video, you know, roll away from the gun or don't pick up the gun. Um, you know, you, you never know uh, how wounded somebody is. Um, you never know what actions they can take even when they are hit. Um, and that's why the officers took time, stayed behind cover, and then uh, used a tactical approach to come up on him. You know, of course, we're going to want to get to him and render aid as quickly as possible, but I also need our police officers to be safe. You never know what could happen, what situation could change, and, and again, I think uh, the way they handled themselves was, uh, was with the utmost profession, care for, uh, um, and, and tactics for a situation that occurred the way it did. What do they look for in that situation? Yeah, I mean, you have to, hands. That's the one thing we're taught from day one in the police academy. Uh, hands, hands, hands. You're always looking for the hands. Uh, you know, nothing else is gonna be able to fire a weapon or reach for a weapon. It's the hands. So that's what they're keeping on. They wanted to make sure that, you know, that he was not moving at that situation because if they start to approach and an individual in a hypothetical situation then is able to kind of recover and grab that gun and start shooting, then they have no position to cover. So they were taking their time to make sure that they uh, uh, chose a tactical approach. Uh, but keep in mind, right from within the moments that the shots were fired, a third officer was calling for an ambulance right away. So those additional uh, life-saving resources were already called for and were there within minutes. So Officer Slopinski was the one that fired uh, 14 rounds. Officer Lewis fired six rounds. I think from what you can see in the video is there was a part of the video after the first shot was fired by Mr. Holmes, uh, one of the officers who had exited his patrol car, and you can see it from the second officer's video, the car was not put in park, and that car rolled and it bumped into the car in front, which was Officer Lewis's car. That caused his car door, police car door, to close, which then took away his position to cover. So it looks like from the video, he fired two rounds as he was tactically retreating and moving backwards. So there was time there where he was completely exposed and was walking backwards to get to a better position to cover. And at that time, Officer uh, Slupinski was firing to try to end that threat. And I would also say probably providing some cover fire for Officer Lewis, who was now fully exposed at that point. Anybody else? Are we good? All right, thank you, everybody. Thank you. All thank right, you. thank you. All right, that is the Buffalo Police News Conference and the uh
uh, police shooting of Edward Holmes, which uh, has been described by Buffalo police as suicide by cop. I've seen the video, and uh, frankly, that was my impression of it prior to the news conference. Uh, You have an individual who called the police from his own phone, gave a description of a man with a gun, gave the description of the camo that he was wearing, uh, fired a shot at police officers. Police officers still did not respond with lethal force, and upon the reasonable belief that deadly force was about to be used on them, at that point they fired to terminate the threat. Uh, The question is, uh, basically, does this uh, killing, does this fall under Article 35 of the New York State Penal Code? And I would say it absolutely falls uh, under the um, heading, and I'm not a lawyer, but I certainly know Article 35 of the New York State Penal Code. Uh, This absolutely falls under the uh, heading of use of deadly physical force because they had a reasonable belief that uh, deadly physical force was going to be used on them. Uh, One shot had already been taken at them. Uh, They had no way of knowing from their position that the shotgun had jammed Uh, whether uh, I would be interested in knowing about the previous calls to the address at which Mr. Holmes uh, lived, the nature of those calls. Um, But if you arrive at the scene and an individual in camo, keeping in mind uh, what happened a couple of years ago in Buffalo with uh, an individual who was dressed uh, in, uh, well, body body armor and uh, had some camo on him, uh, that uh, I would not... uh, uh, be an assumption on my part, but, uh, you know, we certainly have had experiences uh, with people wearing camo in shooting situations, but uh, watching the video from the different angles that are offered by the Buffalo Police uh, body cameras, uh, I come to the same conclusion as the commissioner did that uh, this was a suicide by cop situation. Don't know the state of uh, Mr. Holmes's uh, mind at the time. And the toxicology tests are going to take a while to come back to determine if he was uh, uh, had been drinking, was on any substances. Um, obviously, it uh, doesn't help the family because they've lost a loved one. But in terms of the application of Article 35 of the New York State Penal Code, um, I think that the district attorney is going to come to the same conclusion and the state attorney general is going to come to the same conclusion as uh, was announced by the police commissioner of the city of Buffalo uh, during that news conference you heard live on News Radio 930 WBEN. All righty, uh, loves it is uh, Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. I'm sure we will return to our discussion on the wind turbine issue of Lake Erie on Lake Erie, but uh, I want to go for a reaction to what we just heard from the Buffalo Police Commissioner and the Buffalo Police Department regarding the uh, fatal shooting of a Buffalo man by Buffalo police on Saturday. And joining us, if you could bring him up, uh, Tanner, we have uh, Jeff Ronaldo, retired Buffalo police captain and uh, currently with Vista Security. Uh, thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate your time. What are your uh, general thoughts, having presumably seen the video and having heard the news conference? Uh, Good afternoon, Tom. Well, uh, based on the commissioner's conference and then having just watched the video, I think his comments were spot on. Uh, This was obviously an individual that was suffering from some type of mental health uh, breakdown and unfortunately chose a suicide by cop situation 
to bring a conclusion to his life. And it's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for his family. And it's also unfortunate for the officers that had to respond and, and take that action in order to protect themselves and others. You know, I remember when uh, the idea of body cams was first talked about for police officers, and I remember there being quite a bit of opposition among police officers to body cams, but this is a situation where the body cams uh, prove to uh, exculpate the officers, I think, from any wrongdoing, uh, any misuse of force, uh, and vindicate uh, what they had to do. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's obvious that from the moment they arrived on scene, this individual had the weapon in his hand already. He was prepared to use it. He actually did fire it at the officers. Um, you know, at that point, you have to take action. You have to defend yourself. This is a residential street in the middle of the day. Uh, other people could have been harmed by this individual. Who knows where else he might have pointed that weapon. So I, I think they were left with only one choice, and that, that was to use deadly physical force. You know, one of the amazing things to me is that this individual fired around at police and they did not return fire after that round was fired at them. Absolutely. It shows you the length of restraint that they exercised in giving this individual every single possible opportunity to stop being a threat and to not force them to have to use uh, their firearms. Uh, like you said, he fired once. They, uh, again, attempted to disarm him using verbal commands. They attempted to de-escalate this, and it just was not going to work. And then the second time he goes to level the weapon, they're left with no choice. Uh, you know, you, you have to take action at that point. You know, Jeff, one of the other things that hits me watching the video is uh, the training kicking in. Uh, with the police officers, not only with uh, the positions they took up, but uh, the way they approached the suspect went down, and then the immediate calling for first uh, for the for the uh, EMS people uh, and the uh, uh, chest compressions actually begun before the uh, uh, fire department arrived. Can you talk about training for a situation like this and the importance of that? Sure. I mean, you know, all the officers are trained that, you know, if you are used to use some level of force, once the situation has stopped, your next priority is the uh, rendering of aid to that person immediately. And it's not waiting for an ambulance to arrive or the fire department. It's the officers uh, doing everything that they can, utilizing their training to attempt to preserve life. And I think that's exactly what you saw here. These officers immediately uh, assessed the individual. They made sure the weapon was secure and then they began life-saving first aid. Unfortunately, it, it just didn't work in this situation. But, you know, again, it just goes to show you the lengths that the Buffalo Police Department takes to attempt to stop these situations from occurring, de-escalate them, and if force needs to be used, immediately rendering first aid. I'd like your thoughts on uh, the number of rounds that were fired at the suspects. You know, again, Tom, no police officer is a sharpshooter. Um, you know, having been through the academy, having, you know, fired thousands of rounds in training situations, uh, officers are taught to fire at the subject until the threat is over, meaning that they're on the ground or they're disarmed or they surrendered. So, you know, people think they get hung up on the fact that, well, how many rounds were fired? 
you can fire 15 rounds out of a Glock handgun in about three or four seconds. Um, it is, it, it's extremely quick the way the rounds can come out of that weapon. So I think that, uh, you know, it would be great if cops were sharpshooters and could guarantee under a high-stress situation that one shot, one target, one hit, but that's just not the reality of it. Uh, officers are taught to fire until the threat is down. And based on, you know, the angle of the view, it appeared that that's exactly what happened. Officers fired until the subject hit the ground. Uh, you do hear one of the officers yelling. It appears he rolled towards the gun. Uh, they did not resume firing because he was not a threat at that point. He was on the ground. He never made it to the gun again. So, again, this is professionalism at its finest. They utilized their training, um, and they did everything based on what I'm seeing in the video by the book. And 50 feet is not 10 feet. Correct. It's going to be a lot harder with a handgun to be uh, accurate and on target at 50 feet than it is in a close encounter of 5 to 7 feet, which is where most of these situations do occur. It's generally within 3 to 7 feet uh, that you know a fire uh, battle occurs. This is at a pretty good distance. And, uh, again, Officers' training proves they were able to get, uh, you know, rounds on target. Thankfully, nobody else was injured, either by the suspect's uh, weapon that was fired and or the officers. Now, will the uh, crime scene people or have the crime scene people, uh, according to uh, protocol, have they already uh, combed the neighborhood to recover every round that was fired? I'm sure they will. You know, they can tell based on how many rounds were left in both of the officers' guns, exactly how many were fired, and they will do everything they can to try and account for every one of those rounds where they might have wound up. Uh, generally, you know, you, you can find most of them, but sometimes you can't. It just depends on the backdrop and the environment and, and where those rounds went. Um, I don't know if this is an appropriate question, but uh, I will ask anyway. Uh, do you have, uh, from your career and history in the Buffalo Police Department, any familiarity with the individual who uh, was shot? Uh, I do not, and the name doesn't ring a bell with me. Um, I'm sure part of the investigation now is going to see, obviously, what type of uh, criminal involvement did this individual have, what was his mental health history, were crisis services or other mental health uh, services called previously for this individual? And again, an important question is if he did have a mental health history or a criminal history, how did he get access to this firearm in the first place? Uh, we're talking with uh, Jeff Ronaldo, retired uh, captain, Buffalo Police Department with Vista Security on the Trocare College WBEN live line on uh, News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, you talked about the uh, effects on the officers uh, in a situation like this. None of these officers woke up on Saturday morning thinking, hey, today's the day I get to discharge my firearm at a suspect. Absolutely not. It's, it's the absolute last thing that any police officer wants to do. They do not want to be faced with a situation where they have to take somebody's life. It, it's, it's a nightmare. Yes, uh, officers are trained to deal with it. They're trained to do it. And it's just a situation that you do everything in your power to avoid having to do. The uh, quickness with which the uh, Buffalo Police Department uh, and the transparency with which the Buffalo Police Department dealt with this situation, um, what does that do in terms of uh, community relations, community support for the police? Well, again, I, I think that the community 
regardless of where you live, uh, the community does have a right to know how police officers acted in a particular situation. Uh, in, in a situation like this, you, you have a, your police department took the life of somebody and, and people have the right to know what occurred. Was it justified? And, you know, what what exactly, uh, you know, happened in this situation? What brought them to this person? So I, I think that the Buffalo Police Department has done an excellent job in the last couple of years of getting this video put together. And not only just releasing the video, but giving you kind of the backstory. They're giving you the 911 call. They're giving you the radio dispatch uh, that sent the officers there. You're getting the radio traffic between the officers and the dispatcher. Um, so I think that, you know, in terms of transparency, there's absolutely no argument to be made that uh, the department is not being transparent. They're giving you the names of the officers involved. They're giving you the time that they've had on the job. And what they're not doing is they're not disparaging uh, the suspect. They're simply giving you his name, and they're not going to get into details about his family or emotions or what people are thinking or saying. Uh, I think in this case, they have definitely fulfilled their obligation to their community that they police. In in the case of a mental health situation, is, are there all, also concerns about uh, violations of his uh, medical privacy? Um, there are. I mean, again, I, I think eventually those things will probably come out through other sources. But, you know, in situations like this, uh, you hope that there has been or you, the, the goal is always in these situations that if there has been mental health intervention in the past, that it would be successful. But unfortunately, you know, what we're seeing more and more uh, in this country, not just here in Buffalo, is that the mental health system is overtasked, overworked, and is just not effective in dealing with some people. And, you know, in a situation like this, you would be hard-pressed to make the argument that he was not suffering some kind of mental health breakdown. Unfortunately, instead of calling for help, he called to have these officers, unfortunately, commit his suicide. Uh, stay with us if you would. Uh, retired Police Captain Jeff Ronaldo, BPD, uh, with Vista Security on the Trocare College WBEN Live Line. Um, in a case like this, um, will toxicology tests be done on the man who was shot by Buffalo Police to determine if uh, any substances were in his body, such as alcohol or drugs? Absolutely. You, you'll see a full uh, you know, medical examination and autopsy being conducted. And exactly as you said, they will want to try to determine to the best of their ability the state that this person was in. Was he intoxicated? Was he high? Um, was he prescribed medications? And were they present in the system that day? So did that affect his judgment? They, they will do everything they can to try to recreate the circumstances and the situation this individual was in prior to this event occurring. And, you know, the, the only thing um, that matters in a situation like this, at least in New York State, is Article 35 of the New York State Penal Code, uh, which police officers uh, and, of course, many others need to familiarize themselves with uh, if they carry a firearm or a, a deadly weapon or um, are particularly adept at fighting, I guess. Exactly. Uh, that is the standard by which the police, as well as a civilian, is measured when it comes to uh, looking at situations where deadly physical force is exercised. 
the difference here is as a citizen, you would have a duty to retreat. Uh, the police obviously do not have that obligation, and therefore, um, you know, they are put in a position where they have to address this threat and attempt to stop it. So according to uh, protocol and the procedure, where does this go next with all the investigative bodies that uh, hop into it when police are forced to use deadly physical force? So as per an executive order under Governor Cuomo, actually, is, uh, I believe he was the first governor to enact it, the New York State Attorney General's office uh, does an independent investigation. They will look at all of the evidence. They will conduct interviews, and they will reach an independent conclusion as to whether or not the officer's actions were justified, and then they will offer some opinions in terms of what, if anything, they think can be done differently or better. Uh, Obviously, in this case, uh, this was such a quick unfolding situation. I don't see where there could be room for anything else, especially given the fact that the individual was armed with a long gun which its range is twice, if not more, that than somebody armed with a handgun. Um, after that, or I should say concurrent with that, the Buffalo Police Homicide Department will conduct a investigation, and they will look at much of the same evidence at the AG's offices, as well as at the conclusion of that, then the Internal Affairs Division of the department will conduct a third review of the situation focusing more on whether or not policies and procedures of the manual for police were adhered to. Um, Let's talk uh, for a moment about what this does to a police officer and uh, their administrative leave right now as per policy, but uh, returning to the job, what, I mean, you've known people who've been involved in uh, officer-involved shootings, I'm quite sure, in your lengthy career. What does it do to the uh, cop involved? Um, it's, it's a burden that they are saddled with for the rest of their life. It's something that they will never forget. Um, it is a great responsibility taking another human's life. And it's something that most officers thankfully go through their career without having to do. But those that do, um, thankfully now the department has a lot of resources out there for these officers, whether it's in the form of VAP or the new position that was created there to uh, check on the mental well-being of officers. But the key is, is that, you know, when I first got hired, you just didn't talk about it. And you saw a lot of bad results for officers that didn't have, you know, effective outlets to deal with uh, trauma and tragedy and situations like this, where now there are a lot of resources. So hopefully uh, these officers, uh, even the ones that didn't have to fire their weapons, hopefully they take advantage of those services and they're able to continue having healthy and productive careers. Yeah, there's one officer uh, in the video, and the look on his face uh, was, to my way of interpretation, one of absolute shock at uh, what had just unfolded. Sure. I mean, you know, Buffalo police, unfortunately, respond to dozens of men with gun calls, if not on a daily basis, definitely on a weekly basis. It's not to say there's anything that you could ever deem a routine call, but it is the um, common call that goes out in Buffalo. And, again, 99.8% of them wind up not being an actual person standing in the middle of the street with a handgun who's then opening fire upon you or with a rifle or a shotgun, for that matter. So, you know, it's one of those situations where, in their mind, they never thought that this was going to be the one. Um, 
but you pull up, and a couple seconds later, that's what you're faced with. Captain, thanks very much. I appreciate your time and insight. Thank you. Thank you, Captain Tom. Jeff Ronaldo, Buffalo Police Department, retired with Vista Security. All right, welcome. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. And uh, tonight in Hamburg, uh, part of the meeting is going to deal with this. Uh, what I consider to be uh, idiotic uh, idea to put wind turbines in Lake Erie, and the uh, town of Hamburg is uh, council is going to be uh, presenting the resolution against indoor wind. Uh, I'm sorry, industrial. Big difference. Indoor wind turbines didn't see a lot of good anyway. Uh, but the town take two. The town of Hamburg council presenting the resolution against industrial wind turbines in Lake Erie at their town hall meeting tonight uh, at seven o'clock, and I'm glad. And I hope that all of the other communities along the lakeshore and in western New York, uh, Erie, Niagara counties, and then uh, further to the east for that matter, and further to the south, uh, join in this uh, effort to keep wind turbines out of Lake Erie. Uh, some of these wind turbines, they're not like cute little Dutch windmills. Uh, you've seen them. They're industrial turbines. And uh, they are... Uh, First of all, they shear off little bits of uh, material from the blades into the water or onto the land. They're also not biodegradable. They end up in dumps. Uh, not a good idea. Uh, all the power would go to New York City. And even if all the power went to western New York, if you disturb our drinking water, of what use is power if we're all thirsting to death? Uh, because uh, what they want to do is plop these things, like 50 of them, from Buffalo to Dunkirk into Lake Erie which is going to disturb sediment, which has covered up a lot of the industrial-era pollutants that have been in Lake Erie, at one point declared a dead lake, now teeming with fish and people coming here to uh, enjoy that recreational activity. Uh, what else? Uh, it's, just, it's just not a good scene at all. Uh, it's just not, uh, just not a good idea. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, in my humble opinion. Uh, we've been down this road before. Uh, we have covered this story before, and I promised you we would continue to cover it, and that is uh, exactly what we uh, are doing. Uh, we are able to take some uh, telephone calls now, again, on WBEN. Also, uh, unrelated, if you have any thoughts on the Buffalo Police News Conference and by now, you probably, uh, if you have any interest, have watched the video. Do you agree that it was suicide by cop? And that was my conclusion watching the video prior to uh, the media got it early. And then uh, I watched it and I thought, oh, my God, this is definitely a suicide by cop situation. And that is uh, pretty much what the, well, exactly what the police commissioner had to say. Uh, here is uh, Rich on a cell phone. Rich, you are on WBEN. Hello. Hello again. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, it's one of the dumbest ideas for sure. Uh, your drinking water is most important. You can live without electricity. You can't live without drinking water, right? Uh, so it really is a nonpartisan issue. Those folks who are saying it's controversial or uh, somehow political—I mean, it doesn't matter what political stripe or what ideology you believe in—if you don't got fresh water, clean, healthy, fresh water. You don't have anything. You know, your ideology doesn't mean anything. Uh, right now, and mark my words, we are having a microcosm of some of the things that would happen right now, what's happening with the oceans. 
And we're seeing, you know, a lot of cetaceans, a lot of different whales, including the, the very endangered uh, North Atlantic right whale. A lot of carcasses coming up, and this was wholly predictable. Uh, but it seems that those who believe in science really are saying they have to reinvent the wheel every time they encounter a wheel in order to confirm that it's a wheel. And in, back in the late 1990s, our U.S. military, the Navy, began testing low-frequency active sonar, which was needed to detect the new stealth-running submarines. And curiously, while they were conducting these tests, they noticed that the whales in particular, and the behavior varied between species to species, but when whales were met with this sonar, their behavior altered completely from, you know, totally stopping singing and stopping feeding to freezing in the water, to swimming upside down, to being completely disoriented. And again, this was back in the 1990s. Uh, but there, there, I should point out, though, that there is some controversy as to whether the wind turbines actually kill whales. Uh, well, there are people, what we, happens, you, 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 go, but it, you go online and uh, you find out that uh, it is allegedly a myth that wind turbines yeah, kill whales in the ocean. But I mean, as far course, as Lake Erie, I, I've never seen a whale in Lake Erie. Well, wait a minute. Hang on a minute. It's the sound itself, whether it's a whale, which depends 100% on sound, or if it's fish species as well. And, yes, there has been studies done in 2006 specifically on a, a wind turbine factory that was being built, and then they followed up with operational studies on it, on the impacts of noise to fish and marine mammals. This was, again, in 2006. It was off the North Atlantic. They did these studies. The noise from the construction is felt and measured up to 50 kilometers away per base. And it has an impact on all life that depends on hearing. And once you get to operational, the turbines that they studied were 1.5 megawatt. So they're considerably smaller than what they're being proposed today. And it is acknowledged that the larger they are, the noisier they are, and the louder that noise is. Right. My so, point is it's not a universally agreed-upon contention that the wind turbines kill whales. Well, I mean, you can, you you can know, say, it all, you can say it all you want, but it's not universally agreed on. Tom, it's a controversy. Time, Tom, at some point in time, the facts and reality of what you see have to be acknowledged. I don't like wind turbines any more than you do, but, I mean, I'm just telling you that there's a lot of controversy about it, and there's not universal agreement that these things are killing whales. I mean, you can't, that's an because, unarguable well, point. There's not universal agree agreement. So you have to ask the question then. I mean, we've, we've observed it in the 90s. We know the sound is generated now with the construction of anything, not just wind turbines. I mean, we do construction out in the water. We do pounding. There is a lot of low-frequency noise, and it's acknowledged that it's harmful. You you build a bridge or you do something like that, you have to get a permit to do it. You have to un, you know estimate what your damage is, how you're going to mitigate that noise, except for wind turbines. It's a controversy, right? Well, with wind turbines, well. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? No, and I, 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 I see what you're saying, but it still, it still doesn't change the fact that there is not incontrovertible evidence that wind turbines are killing whales. 
Now, I don't want to turn this into a whale discussion well, because wind we don't have itself. any we don't have any whales in Lake Erie. I mean, I, right but now, again, right now, you're, you're making it. Tom, you're trying to make it seem as though everybody knows that wind turbines kill whales, and that's just Tom, not the right fact. now. No, no, it's not the wind turbine itself. Right now, they don't even have any operational. It's the construction noise. That's what's killing the whales right now. It's disorienting them. The disorientation is what is impacting them. It's not a direct to stick the wind turbine out. The wind turbine smacks it dead. It's an impact. It's a change that they are not designed or adapted to handle because of their dependency on the sound and their biological anatomy, the gases where they're located. I mean, it's it's very scientific. But well, how about sub, how about submarines? Are, 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 is our submarine fleet also killing whales because of the noise emitted by submarines and our navy vessels? Yes. Well, it's not killing them, but it certainly is altering their behavior while they're exposed. I mean, the, the sonar is being, you know, it's revolving around, and it's not hitting them all the time. It also doesn't have a 50-kilometer or 100-kilometer radius. So, you know, to, to, and we know this. We knew it. We found out about it in the 90s, but there was a trade-off. Do we want to detect our enemy, or do we want to worry about the whales and then... They don't protect the whales. We protect the whales. You know, trade-offs. Let's balance. let's let's stick to let's stick this. to Lake Erie. Let let's stick to Lake Erie. Why okay, is it a bad so idea in Lake Erie? Let's talk about Lake Erie. Lake Erie, its size, all right, is only fifty-six miles wide and about two hundred twenty miles long. The oceans are a hell of a lot bigger, but the noise is still going to be there at the same level. So, the fish and the life in the oceans have a lot of what's known as spatial escape. But as the things get noisier in a great lake, it doesn't matter if it's Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, Lake Superior, you pick them, it's eventually the more you put in there, it's going to create an echo. We have much science on fish introducing, you know, in a captive environment, different frequencies of sound. And when you get to the low frequency noise, there is articles, there's published research that fish suddenly start behaving very badly. If they have a, a biology that is reflective of most of the species of fish in this lake, they're going to get hurt a lot more than some of the other ocean fish would, the ones that don't have swim bladders that use their livers like sharks. Uh, but if you have a, a gas-filled swim bladder, that's where the problem comes in. Uh, this experiment that was done tested exposing various levels of low-frequency noise to, I think it was zebrafish, yes, in a tank. But they found that if they had no spatial escape, and once it reached a certain level, their behavior continued to be bizarre up to two weeks after they removed that stimuli. So the first thing that the, these creatures are going to do is they're going to practice displacement. You know, they're impacting the fish just like they're impacting whales, but nobody gets the press on fish. All it is is whales. Um, Rich, one of the things that I, I really don't understand is we didn't build the bridge to replace or augment the Peace Bridge because there were environmental concerns about the uh, migration patterns of the common turn. And yet mm -hmm. they actually think it's a good idea to put 50 um, choppers <laughs> bird choppers in the middle of Lake Erie at the same time as we talk about the revivification of Lake Erie as a tremendous uh, paradise for outdoorsmen and outdoors women. And uh, we are seeing birds around here like we haven't seen before in recent times, such as bald eagles, osprey, etc. 
to me, that it strikes me as being absurd. We don't build a bridge, yet we're going to put Choppomatix for Eagles up in the lake. It doesn't make sense. Right. Well, it's, you know, again, the political motivation. The bridge, the, the scuttlebutt that I got on that was there was actually a design ready to go, but it wasn't one of those, you know, ooh, it wasn't a signature bridge that we could have tourists come and visit and some well-money people put the kibosh on it, and that one was too high. The other one they had that would have conveyed people from one side of the river to the other, just like any other bridge would, regardless of how it looks, was actually a pretty solid design. And that so... Yeah, but that's the dysfunction of this place. You know, it's our, our political leaders could mess up a one-car funeral. Um, but you don't get anything from a wind turbine. And, you know, it's, it's funny when you mention the turns. You know, I remember uh, during COVID, I think it was, they did the thunder on the Niagara, but they, they did it a little bit different timing. And they timed it wrong, and the turns were all over the place over at Gateway Harbor near the south gap of the, the uh, outer harbor there. And, I mean, there's there's a big colony. There's thousands of them. And, you know, they, I'm sure there were more than a few that got caught up in the, the Lackawanna turbines. And, you know, just from the, the jets themselves, you know, folks were not very happy with the timing of it and the proximity. They're, they're very shy birds. So, I mean, we do take that seriously. We earned a Ramsar designation for this area in 2019. And, you know, how did all these birds get here? They're migratory. They're flying right over Lake Erie. They're flying down from Canada and flying up, you know, from, from the south. And that's the biggest flyway. Then you talk about the bats. You know, industrial wind turbines have become the number one killer of bats, supplanting white-nose syndrome. That's according to the University of Massachusetts. And there are plenty of bats out there that are being threatened and being absolutely wiped out, not necessarily by, you know, strikes, AIDS, but because of the barotrauma that's caused in the change of air pressure near the proximity of those blades, it's exploding their little lungs. So, no. yeah, that's, I mean, it's great. And I've, I've yeah, there's tons of, of bats along Lake Erie, but trust me, I know one landed on me a few years ago. Um, Rich, thank yeah. you very much. I uh, I appreciate the call. Yeah, vote it no, is uh, four fifty five at News Radio nine thirty W B E N. It is Bowerly. We need to get uh, going here for news. Uh, we will continue with uh, more of your telephone calls at eight zero three oh nine thirty. 803-0930, star 930 on the cell phone, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Uh, your thoughts on the wind turbine idea for Lake Erie, and I'm telling you, it's not going to go away, okay? The people in Albany might have said, oh, it's not practical right now, but don't ever believe that they're not looking ahead to the future. They want to outweigh and outlast people who oppose. Simple as that. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. And also, any thoughts you might have on uh, Saturday's uh, uh, officer-involved shooting of a, uh, a man on Reed Street in Buffalo. Uh, seen the video. I agree with the police commissioner. It was suicide by cop, and it's pretty definitive. That's what it was, at least as I look at the video. And uh, a lot of questions uh, that I have about the person who was killed. Uh, and what his mental health status uh, might have been uh, in the past, but uh, absolutely justified, in my opinion, according to the uh, law of New York State, which governs the use of deadly physical force. All right, welcome, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN, and uh, tonight in Hamburg, in less than two hours, the uh, town board is going to put out a resolution opposing uh, the 
proposed uh, wind turbines for Lake Erie, which uh, from which we may have gained a respite. Um, somebody sent me uh, part of the state budget from a few years back, tw actually 2025, and uh, says that uh, part of the budget allows uh, the state to exercise eminent domain regardless of what the local municipalities have to say about it for such projects. Uh, but frankly, there's just there's so much material I was sent. I just I do not have the time to scroll through and click on all the links uh, when I'm when I'm on the air, because oddly enough, my attention has to be focused on what I'm doing. Um, it is if I were to sit here and scroll through all this stuff, all you'd hear is me saying, uh, uh, for about 20 minutes. I just, I don't have time. I'm sorry. I just, I appreciate the input. I just don't have the time to do it. It is uh, 10 minutes after five at News Radio 930 WBEN. Um, is there anybody in favor of wind turbines on Lake Erie? Uh, this is probably our fifth show on this subject, and I've not had a single person call in saying, yes, I'm for it. How about you local Sierra Club people? I mean, you guys are on record as being in favor of wind turbines in Lake Erie. Can't you call in and defend your position? You, 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 you're on record as favoring it. Why can't you be on record on this program? I don't understand it. Um, you've got a chance to reach thousands of people with your pro-wind turbine argument, and you're not doing it. Why? Could it be that you've had a change of heart? Could it be that uh, you believe it to be so unpopular you don't want to sully the reputation of the Sierra Club more than it's already sullied it itself by backing this idiotic, uh, uh, ridiculous scheme uh, with plenty of taxpayer subsidies, I might add? Uh, 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Uh, Doug is calling in from a place called Freedom. I, I think I remember the word being uttered at one point in my life, but uh, seems to evade me these days. Uh, you're on WBEN. Doug, go ahead. Hey, sure. Yeah, I um, just wanted to – I mentioned the uh, what's going on with the governor's budget, and it's under um, art um, – it's under in environmental – I'm just going to – it's called um, – New York's it's, uh, Transportation, Economic Development, Environmental Conservation, Article 7. It's buried in the budget that's being proposed for the 25 budget. You go down to um, it's Article 15, and it's about um, almost 40 pages long, and it has to do with eminent domain and that they can um, – Take for solar or wind, they have eminent, eminent domain to run the transmission lines. Tonight in the town of Freedom, there was a resolution that um, it, it'll say um, resolution opposing Part O, that's what it is, Part O of the governor's 2024 Article 7 revenue bill regarding the siting of major electric transmission facilities, also known as the Rapid Act. So this is out in freedom. They've been pushing for, a, you know, I know you're talking about the lake, but they're pushing for um, a wind farm out there between Freedom, Centerville, and Rushford. And it's been going on for quite a few years. And those turbines are going to be like the ones you mentioned before. They're going to be 
taller than Seneca Tower. Well, you know, 600 feet tall, 580, 600 feet tall. And uh, I've spent a lot of time talking to the salespeople about this stuff, working for the wind company. So I had a lot of experience working with them. And I realized that this is all, like like the gentleman they called earlier in the show, this is really a scam. And there's, you know, a great solution would be retool the coal plants because the transmission lines are already in place. Retool, uh, retool for, the coal plants or how about how about nuclear? Yeah, retool the coal plants for nuclear. Yeah, retool because the transmission lines are already there. But this wind thing is just wind and solar. It's just government handout for the companies that are doing it. And, and it's never going to pay for itself, which is why Europe has gotten away from it. It's it's not reliable. It's just unbelievable. And again, you're talking about the project on the lake. This is another one with was 130 some. I think they scaled it back to um, a little under 120 turbines. And um, so again, in the governor's proposed budget right now, right, we got it. We got it. We got it. Yep. We got it. So so that's that's. I just want to bring that up. Well, I, I would like to uh, know if uh, you people in Freedom have reached out to the people in the communities along the lake to explain uh, what this might mean. If New York State is talking about exercising eminent domain to put up uh, wind turbines, any resolution might be legally a moot point, but that doesn't mean that citizens can't have a little insurrection. Ooh, did I say insurrection? I meant uh, uh, mostly peaceful protests like uh, the summer of 2020. Then we're just taxpayers. They don't care about us. They do not care. We're just taxpayers. That's all. And and it's it's really, you know, somebody told me when this started quite a few years ago, and again, and I was courted a lot for my little piece that they were looking for, and um, by a salesman or two, and um, and I checked with people, and they went out the weather the the farm out by uh, Weathersfield Bliss. And they said, you know, you might as well just approve it because we fought it and fought it and fought it. You're not going to win. And that's what has been uh, mentioned more than once this afternoon. New York State just keeps on coming. They don't stop. They don't respect the taxpayers. But the all. salesmen, the say, the, you say you've spoken with salesmen. Are these salesmen for the turbine companies? Are these exactly. uh, New York exactly. State? Because they know they, they go around and they try to, um, they have to get people on board to sign wind leases. Is what happens. I mean, if you have some property, they want to put a turbine up, even if it's not on your property, if it's by your property, or if they need to put a transmission line. You know, they spend years, years working these out. And again, I've talked to plenty of people over the years. So they offer you money? Did did they offer you money? What what kind of dough did they offer you? Not enough. Not enough that I would want to have my house sitting there. I mean, if they gave me $50,000 a year, I, I don't think I'd want to have. So, I mean, I have some property. I wouldn't want to have that affected by that. I realize there's people out there that have a lot of tracts of land, you know, I mean, your farmers or whatever, and they just figure, you know, we've got thousands of acres, put them up. It, and I understand that, you know, I, I wasn't against when it took me a long time of talking to the to the reps from the companies before I realized what a, a bunch of garbage it was. Um, what what made you uh, realize it was a bunch of garbage, as you put it? 
um, reading over their um, their lease agreements, listening to what I was told, and then looking at their lease agreements after the fact. And what and did they want to do? Did they, did they want to put a turbine up in your property or run a transmission line through it? That's the thing. They don't exactly, once you sign a lease, it's um, you're pretty much screwed. I mean, they had a thing at the Pioneer High School a few years ago. It was packed in the auditorium. And there was horror stories from the people from the other uh, land projects. It, it's and what they do to your land. What they, you, you're really signing your property away. And they want a 50-year lease. 50 years. And the terms are horrendous. You know, they really are for the average person. Well, you know, I'd love to hear from people who live near these wind farms to find out what the effect has been uh, on their lives. I mean, what have they told you? All, all the stuff that you've read, the environmental issues, if you were living in the shadow of one of these things, it would be, you wouldn't like it. It, it would be like living with a fan you know, blocking the light to your house. If you can imagine that, just spinning, and people will have, you know, all kinds of neurological problems. I mean, everybody is affected differently by different stuff. But when, and I guess that's the part that gets me the most, is it, it doesn't work. Financially, it only works because the taxpayers are footing the bill. And it's never going to work. Like, uh, earlier caller talked about how much per kilowatt hour it costs to produce it. You know what? Maybe someday we'll be there. Maybe we will. But now is not the time. As no, as, but as if, it if, it has, if, if it has such deleterious effects on human beings and uh, on wildlife, why would they want to do it? Why would any envir- Why would any sane thinking environmentalist support such an idiotic project? You know what? Everybody has. There's a lot of money in it. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of money in a lot of these projects. And, you know, they, um, when they had a packed house at the Pioneer Auditorium, there was three people out of the entire auditorium that were for it. It was a contractor, representative from the company, a contractor because they're going to have work for three years, which I get. I wouldn't want to take money out of, you know, mouth out of somebody's or food out of somebody's mouth but um and i get that but it's again it's taxpayers funded there's health issues and it just it doesn't pay it doesn't pay somebody's got this stars in their eyes and the contractors that are going to be the companies that are going to be they can't lose they can't lose building them they can't lose making because the government puts the bill and the government is you and I. Oh, yeah, and the taxpayers. All right, thank thank you very much, uh, Doug. I appreciate your uh, telephone call on this. Uh, obviously very passionate uh, about the uh, wind turbine issue. And, you know, putting aside Lake Erie for a moment, I mean, obviously that is the focus of the show, but those of you who live near the wind turbines, uh, do you want to talk about the effect it's had on your life? Because... Um, I, I would like to know, uh, because I don't live near a wind turbine, not yet, thank God. 
803-0930 is the phone number. Star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. And let's get uh, back to the calls, talking here about uh, the wind turbines on Lake Erie and expanding it a little bit. I want to find out about uh, those of you who live on dry land near the wind turbines. Um, and maybe you put a wind turbine up uh, on your property and suddenly found yourself the uh, bane of the neighborhood. Uh, Neil in Forestville on WBEN. Hello. Hey, Tom. Well, you were talking about a fax. I'm sorry. I lo- hello? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead, please. I said, uh, you know how strange I am, and uh, I'm being affected by these windmills. Explain. <laughs> They're, they're horrible. I mean, you get a, uh, you finally get to see the view of the sun, and here's a nice uh, windmill blade through the middle of it, and another windmill blade through the middle of it. You see the flashes. I, I've developed a uh, a ringing in my left ear, and uh, God knows what else. They're, they're, how they're close terrible. are you? They, how close are you to a turbine? Uh, I'd say I'm I'm within about a thousand, maybe uh, two thousand feet, somewhere in there. These things are crazy, crazy loud, Tom. I mean, first off, I live in the middle of the boonies, so you hear everything. I mean, I can hear the train whistle in Dunkirk, which is uh, about uh, a 20-minute drive. And uh, when it's super quiet like that, any noise, like a pin drop, it sounds like it echoes through the valleys here and through the hilltops. So when these things get charging, and let me tell you, they don't seem very spinny when they're during the day, but when it hits nighttime, they turn these suckers loose or they turn them up. But uh, the sound is completely different. It has a whooshing sound, and then it has a thumping sound. I mean, if you could picture what an airport is like, and I used to drive past the – you know, the, the Toronto airport every day, and, and it's like a 747. And it's not something that you get used to? No. <laughs> no, do God, you have, no. Do you have any pets? Yeah. And how do they react? <clears throat> well, it's it's just a little dog, so it really doesn't, you know, I, how, do I, how do I know what affects it? I guess the llamas are the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, big telltale sign. I guess they have a lot of reproductive issues, uh, and they don't grow. There's things that llamas are very sensitive to the uh, the infer sound that these things make. Wow, you don't happen to have a pet llama? <laughs> I should get one just to do some test results. Well, a lot of people do. I mean, they're a pretty popular uh, animal these days. Um, there are a few. So- Go ahead. I like wearing their socks. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I don't know why I found that to be funny, but I did. Um, so basically what you're saying is nobody want that we would not want to live near a wind turbine. Not one, not 10, not 20. Yeah, and, and not just that. Once you get them in your neighborhood, the neighbors hate you because you have it in their yard. You've ruined their peace and quiet. Uh, there's no going backwards. And then you know in five to ten years when these things are obsolete or when they're, they're completely junk, they're just going to be sitting there rotten and rusting away, which I, I honestly cannot wait for the day to, to see that. I mean, I, I hope somebody starts graffitiing them and painting them pink and yellow or rainbows or something. But, Maybe uh, we could paint them into beer cans in true Buffalo fashion, make beer cans out of them. <laughs> right, long, long neck bottles would be better. But uh, the, the bird destruction, the bat destruction, you know, everything your callers have said, and, and, and the callers that haven't called in, like you said, calling out these people who are profiting from this. 
You know, I want to see a Moreland commission where these people that are pushing this, they're, they're, they're offering cash deals, cars, and, and God knows what to these people to bribe them to sign over their land. And they're not really educated people. You know, you're your average farmer, your average Joe. He doesn't have a lawyer. He doesn't have a law degree. You know, and, and they're looking into this thing, and it's a 50-year lease like that, like that other gentleman said. The state should be there to protect us from these vicious uh, uh, money-driven schemes. Instead of funding them. Instead of funding them and, and using their cabal to uh, uh, pressure people and communities to do this. There, like I said, there should be an investigation into this. You know, I, I think you, you've hit on a great point, and maybe there should be an investigation, and maybe some of our uh, state officials who might be listening, uh, our elected officials, will consider calling for an investigation into this. So if you're talking about um, you know, high-pressure sales tactics that we wouldn't allow for timeshares, why are we allowing it for uh, wind turbines uh, funded by state taxpayers? Neil, uh, you are weird, uh, but we love you anyway, and uh, thank you for the call. Well, I blame the windmill, so. I, I think it happened a long time before then, but it's all right, man. It's okay. Uh, Neil in uh, Forestville on WBEN. In uh, just over an hour, the uh, Hamburg Town Council is going to be talking wind turbines in Lake Erie, presumably going on record against wind turbines in Lake Erie. Uh, hopefully it's a movement which will uh, spread and spread and spread. Uh, but according to some of you, you're under a lot of pressure from the uh, companies. You're under a lot of pressure from the state, and they're offering you the moon. And they're dead set on uh, putting wind turbines everywhere they possibly can. And you and I get to pay for it. And it has not proven to be cost effective in other countries of the world. It's funny how certain people like to look at other countries and their health care, but they don't like to look at other countries and their experiences with wind power. Interesting. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Let's go to Daryl in Medina. Daryl, you are on. Hello. You good evening or good afternoon, whichever. I'm not sure, actually. I mean, like this time things. of the this this time of the year, I'm not entirely 100 percent on that. Uh, first thing I would say is, are you? Do you want to climb up? Uh, you, I don't know how many feet in the air they're going to put those things. Do you want to have to climb up there to do the maintenance on the on the head? Well, that's not that that's not that's not a career choice that I've made, but uh, certainly people well, do it. Well, just think about what I said. That that's one. Well, I, number... I know, but pe people obviously do it. I've seen the videos of the two guys burning to death uh, on a burning uh, wind turbine. Well, and uh, it's one thing on land, but what are you? You're standing out. You're out on water. You're out on water. You're going to be in a boat or whatever, right? Because I, I don't know if these things. Uh, I know is if they've got it, if they're going to build a thing almost like a lighthouse, you know, that you could go up in the inside to get to it. You know, I don't even make sense. The other one is those things only. You got to realize something too with those turbines. If you get too strong a wind. The break, the thing that those things automatically got a break on them that stop right. them, so right. they don't rip the blades off. Correct. And I can tell you for a fact that there there's a company in Dansville that makes the turbines, but I also, as I went as farther down past the place, I see the remnants of one that was all busted up, laying it laying out behind a 
well, I don't know whether it was a junkyard or what, and one of them must have come down, and it was all busted up. So I don't know. It, it, I, I don't agree with them. we got a thing going in Medina. They, a guy wants to put one 600 feet high overlooking the town. What do you think about that one? You think that's going over real big? <laughs> Uh, you can pretty, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know that if somebody wanted to put one where I live, 600 feet high, forget about it. Well, they, they, there's another guy over that, that's trying to push the same thing over in Barry, New York. And and the other one I got, the other question, because you, you being an amateur pilot, Not where's no. the fly, where are the flyways for the, for all, you know, the major aircraft and stuff? Has anybody even thought about that? Because think about that. You're up there and it's snowing. Well, those things are white. Now, would you see? Would you be able to see those? Well, I mean, if you're think flying instrument, if you're flying instrument, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you're well, flying right, visual, but, that's an issue. But uh, if I mean, you wouldn't be flying visual in a blinding snowstorm, you'd be flying. No, instrument. I, I don't probably not. But I just you know, there's there's a lot of the, the, this is just stupid stuff. I, I, well, this, stuff let's, I put it, let's put this in perspective. You're talking about a 500-foot wind turbine. The Seneca One Tower, the tallest building in the city of Buffalo, is 529 feet high. Yeah, and that's big. It's a big, it's a, it's a big building, exactly. So I can't imagine a wind turbine. And, you know, we've kind of used that as an example of uh, do people really want to see those uh, looking out in the lake, and I'm less concerned about the flyways for aviation than I am for the flyways for the birds. You know, I mean, the same people who glory, and this is what I just don't understand, who glory and revel in the resurgence of Lake Erie, and isn't it great? We have sportsmen coming from all over the world. We're taking fishing charter people out on Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a team the same. We have a teeming ecosystem. We have eagles. We have osprey. And they're willing to put them into the slice-o-matic of a wind turbine? For what? No. It, it don't even make sense. It doesn't. It really you know, doesn't. I, and I, I hope the, the Hamburg people are listening because I hope that they uh, put a, uh, an addition onto the referendum objecting to any eminent domain being used to put the uh, wind turbines in Lake Erie. That is a cause worth fighting for in well, using any means necessary. What about the uh, – it depends on how far you're going out. I, I, I forget what the, the state owns. It's – some of the waterways they own a certain certain distance out, but there now you're talking about the uh, yeah what do you call it uh, the the white fish and wildlife and all that where those guys would be screaming because you know it could cause a lot of problems. They've done no studies or anything. They can't tell me they have because you know these things are fly by night things. You know. Well, a couple of people have mentioned bats, too, and we need bats in the ecosystem. Oh, and bats yeah. have already suffered from um, an epidemic, uh, at least a few years ago, of colony collapse disorder, much like uh, the bees have. Of course, I can't blame wind turbines on that, but uh, we need bees. Uh, we need bats. We need everything that's in another, the ecosystem. That's another one. If you, you remember you said you had a friend that, that friend that had the beehive? Have him bring one over and put it, but you got to have it aimed, the front of the hive aimed into your yard. Don't, whatever you do, don't take it, aim it over and towards your neighbors. 
But if you want to see your flowers, your gardening stuff, really, really turn into something special, get yourself a hive of bees. Well, I don't want to get too too far off uh, into that field of no, weeds. No, no, I just no, I just happened to think of it because we used to have them when I when we when we had them. Yeah, no, I don't have the time. Our stuff prospered. I certainly, I certainly do not have the time to uh, deal with bees, nor do I wish to be stung as every no, beekeeper is. Uh, all right, Daryl. Okay, buddy. You take right, thank you. you have a good very day. much. Uh, 803 0930 star 930 1-800-616-WBEN. I would love to hear from those of you who live near wind turbines and the effect uh, they've had on your life, your radio reception, your TV reception, um, your ears, your ability to sleep. Have you experienced any physical symptoms from uh, wind turbines and uh, wind turbines in Lake Erie? I mean, this is like the fifth show we've done, and I haven't had one single call uh, supporting the idea. So if not one single caller supports the idea, what does that tell you? It's not popular. And if it's not popular, uh, if we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, um, why would you even consider going ahead with this? It's our money. Here's Dory in, uh, not that that matters in New York State, of course. Here's Dory in Wales. You're on WBEN. Hello. Hi, Tom. Yeah, I would go back to the old doctrine of precautionary principle that lawyers and doctors both use that says that if there's a chance that it's going to cause a harm, you just don't do it. It's it's an old doctrine, but if if there's a chance it's going to be harmful to you know the public, you just don't do it, precautionary principle. If they ruin the water in Lake Erie, what are you going to do in Erie County? Drill a million wells? I mean, I live in Wales, so we have aquifers and we have our own water supply, thank God, because I wouldn't want to drink the fluoride water from Lake Erie anyway. But what are those people going to do if if it gets contaminated? I mean, there would be no more water for the people in Erie County. They would have to truck water in. Well, Lake, remember, Lake Lake Erie, uh, not that long ago, was considered to be a dead lake. And in the era of industrialization, we dumped a lot of crap into the lake. And Erie County still dumps a lot of crap, un- untreated sewage, right. uh, into the lake. And you're drinking purified water. If you drink Lake Erie water that comes through your tap, you're essentially drinking purified water, which I don't drink either. But all I'm saying is we're going to risk our lake for New York City, because as you said before, this electric's not for for us. It's just like Niagara Falls. That electricity goes downstate to New York City, and this electricity would go to New York City. So they want to damage our aquifer and our area for the sake of New York City. No, thank you. Tell them to put them all in the Hudson River. Yeah. Well, hey, New York City. See, the problem is like, uh, hold on a minute, Dory, if if you would, because sure. you're you're onto something here. Um, you cannot underestimate the importance of New York City in your life because, frankly, in case you haven't figured it out yet, we don't matter. New York City is all that matters. Why? Because that's where the votes are. Because Kathy Hochul and previous governors cater to New York City, New York City, New York City. Because all you've got to do is win New York City and you win the entire state. And you're going to have Tompkins County going Democrat. Erie County will go Democrat. Um, and a few other counties across the state will go Democrat. Uh, and it doesn't matter how far to the left. It doesn't matter what they're doing to punish their own wallets. They're going to vote Democrat. And I hate to make this a partisan issue, but there is one party that is pushing this uh, extensively, and it happens to be the Democrat Party. 
and how you can be a conservationist and be in favor of wind turbines to me is a complete contradiction this ought not to be a political issue but unfortunately like everything else uh, it is and it involves money it involves big money it involves taxpayers it involves government subsidies just like the stupid subsidies we spend on movies and tv shows to be made in new york state saturday night live gets a government subsidy from new york state the return on investment is minus a lot of money uh, talking about these uh, wind turbines in Lake Erie, they're going to talk about them in about an hour in Hamburg at the uh, town board meeting. And uh, if you live near a wind farm, uh, what's it done to mess up your life? And uh, Dory in Wales talking about the New York City factor. And uh, Dory, um, have you resigned yourself to the fact that we in western New York and upstate New York really don't matter in the great scheme of things? It's all about New York City. It's all about statewide office holders courting the New York City vote and you can just win an election that way all you do is win new york city no, and you win I, the entire state no because my german father who was a lutheran minister his three favorite words were never give up and you have to be able to breathe the air and drink the water if you're going to survive okay that's one of the reasons we moved to wales but we can't just give up and say it's not a problem and then when the people get sick say oh we're sorry we forgot to tell you Okay, it's like the fluoride in the water. They've been yelling at us for years that it's good for you. They're slowly poisoning people, and I know that's a whole different topic. But yeah, they don't, I don't listen. Feel like, I don't feel like okay, and we don't want to say no, no, no. But we don't want to say I told you so because that doesn't save lives. Yeah, well, you know what? Okay. I mean, uh, sometimes there's time to realize when you're defeated, like uh, Custer's troops at Little Bighorn, and that's the way I feel mm -hmm. living in New York State, in this part of New York State. There is zero chance we're ever going to have a say in what happens in our own community because the Albany politicians are in bed with New York City, and we simply don't matter. You can you can fight Maybe all you want. Life life is no. finite. You only have so many years, and you can you can sit and and think we're gonna win, we're gonna win, we're gonna fight and win. Or you can face the reality that we're surrounded by a bunch of hostiles and we're going to die. Well, I'll die fighting with Dave DiPietro because he fights for us and he has for the last two years. Campaign, is this and a campaign? Ed? It's a campaign no, it's not. Ad or what? I, the guy is a. No, he's just a good guy, and he cares about our town, and he cares about our con our county. And, you know, when we have a problem in, in Wales, Dave's at our doorstep helping us, and he will help us with this issue because he wants people to have right, and he's And he's one, he's one lonely voice in the wilderness against a cacophony of, of New York City. And, you know, Read your I, Bible. That's all it took. One lonely yeah, well, voice. I'm not, I, I don't believe the same way you do. But uh, thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the phone call. Um, I mean, that that's another show altogether. Um, if you want to live in a free state where you actually matter, my advice to you is get out of New York State. And thousands of people have done exactly that as long as I've been on the air. And people like Andrew Cuomo can blame the weather all they want, but it's not the weather. It's the taxes. It's the idiocy. And you can sit here um, and die fighting and lose, or you can go somewhere and live a free life. And that would be my advice to any young person listening. Get the hell out of New York State. If you want to have a life, get out of here, because this is no place to live. And I'm not exactly a Chamber of Commerce ending to the show, but I'm just telling you, I've seen it just go downhill and downhill and downhill. And you can say, oh, fight, fight, fight. 
Well, it didn't do Custer any good, did it? Uh, well, he did get a cool burial site at West Point, so I got to grant him that. It is uh, 556 at News Radio 930 WBEN. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 